Ready to move out of mom's house. <laughs> Into my new van down by the river. Welcome to the Dissect Podcast. I guess that's how it starts from now on. Uh, With some sh- reference to some obscure joke about <clears throat> oh, maybe older men just... driving vans that they park <laughs> by the river and have candy inside. <laughs> With shirts and glasses like these. Yeah. Well, there's there's no risk to anyone coming anywhere near that van if you've got that get-up on. I'll tell you that. You know what would help? You could grow a ponytail. Can you grow a ponytail? Probably not anymore. It'd be more I, like a rat tail. I it think. still grows. Well, that's an, you know. Many, many older fellows refer to that as a ponytail. Yeah, It's just like the horse got a little smaller is all. I was just going to say a pony doesn't have it on the front. (laughs) Either is what you want to follow up with there. All right. So we're here. Uh, Myself, Michael Blevins, Mark Twight, Mr. Joe Holmes, and a much more svelte. Keegan Dillon. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that. Uh, oh, wait. Allow me. I need to... I, I promised myself I would do this on the first uh, podcast that we were we were on together. Mm. Whom is the bearded barefoot caveman in the photos? <laughs> 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 I... I, what is that it, from? It, it well, it's a text from Ian Seabrook. Oh. Ian Seabrook. He he started with you know how did the symposium fare? I don't know how the fuck he knew it was called a symposium because he wasn't here. Yeah, nor weird. has that podcast been released. So he just went. He knew that it was not a seminar. He knew that it was an event of some kind, an educational event that was not taking place in like a hotel conference room. So symposium <clears throat> sounds about right. Um, and then he said, so how did the symposium fare? And whom is the bearded barefoot caveman in the photos? Dot, dot, dot. Keegan? Second coming. <laughs> <laughs> He's Which I, back. I, 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 just, <laughs> I just wrote back. And yes, after my answer about something else. And yes, Keegan is semi-primitive. Mm. I'll take that as a compliment. I, I, as I meant it. Um, I, I, I just... I think we need to at least invest in some hotel carpeting so that when we do have another symposium, people feel at home. Yeah. Like maybe a red <laughs> carpet down the middle of those chairs. Yeah, and like some scattered, multi-patterned. And some sliding doors so we can partition the gym into smaller rooms in case, <laughs> you know, few people show up to the symposium and then we can just shut one of those things and make them feel like yeah. it was meant to be. And it, we can... What about a fern or two? Well, I was going to... Uh, we can Plastic. break out into brainstorming groups. I think think those are focus groups focus groups okay yeah. when you break out <laughs> you focus <laughs> you focus you got to go to that acne place we you saw. either you either break out and run from the police or you break out and come up with ideas those are your two <laughs> options when you break <laughs> after you break out here <laughs> so we're here to talk about um <clears throat> i don't know joe just seems like he's writing a fucking novel over there i don't know i mean he's got lots of ideas he sent me a couple pictures of his notebook 
for tonight. So maybe we should just let him take it over. Um, I only have two beers, so you, you better get rolling. Well, so I had an idea mm. for a podcast that I sent to Michael. And his immediate response was, let's do it. I was not CC'd on this email, obviously, or text. Therefore, I'm slightly nervous. No, I don't, I don't think it's that. Yeah, you can keep your clothes on. <laughs> and you can keep on looking like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> just, I, need to, I just need a little shorter on top. And, we're, we're... and faster hips. Well, yeah, that, that and <laughs> faster hands and just faster generally, I think. <laughs> I mean, current Patrick Swayze or well, classic? <laughs> I'm... Too soon? D- yeah. It's just rude, man. Seriously. Well, I don't like to speak. He was great. He was a great actor. A great inspiration. Especially in Point Break. Especially in Point Break. Anyway. Small Hand says it's time to party. The idea was to... Rock and roll. It is, but I was changing it for Joe. Oh, because he is the party animal in the room. He's he's like occupying a love seat by himself. (laughs) Shows shows that well he's got to he put is. his six no, no, no. fucking pairs of glasses somewhere. <laughs> well, Holy shit, dude! So he did uh, <clears throat> drop ship a package to my home <laughs> recently. <laughs> it was addressed to me, and then the business name <laughs> uh, was One Man Partied LLC. <laughs> so. I thought if you were doing the one-man party, there was no liability, which was precisely why you have one-man parties. I mean, who but, would you par- know, whatever. Who would partner up with you on that? <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm telling you by the name of the business how this is going to go. Exactly. And and you're kind of thinking like, okay, it's a one-man party, so yeah, I'd give you 1% of the company. If you want to... One percent, ninety nine percent of the liability. I was going to say one percent or forty nine. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, no, forty nine is zero. <laughs> forty nine equals zero. We're getting to those cool math problems that I'm super into. It's really cool. I got a uh, had a got a nice piece of mail today. Oh my god, Jesus! I couldn't even respond. <laughs> I know. I know. You can't, you can't even laugh. I was just like. Ah, uh, fuck. I mean, and Joe being the, you know, was I, uh, I, I never thought of him as the voice of reason, but. <laughs> Did he, you get coached? I got coached. You just got coached. <laughs> Passive aggressively? <laughs> no, no, no. It was actually straight oh, up. Very direct. Yeah, coaching. very, very direct. He thought uh, my idea was. Um, maybe not uh, quite the thing to do. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe First, maybe, first thing. Potentially. Yeah, just so shel- shelve it for now. Keep, and yeah, but keep it in the pocket just it. in case. Because right now I don't like you because I would have loved to seen where that had gone. But <laughs> <laughs> but I understand the whole you know yeah keeping the peace internet, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah internet battling and all that yeah. kind of stuff. All right, so we're here to talk about um, Mark's bad hip <laughs> and my great hair and your great hair. Did you say great no, or gray? I said gray. Yeah, I probably sounded like I put a T on it. I, sometimes I do accidentally. It's not intentional. I don't. So you have like so, G-R-A-Y-T hair? Yes, I do. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, it was three weeks ago, you participated in a stage race of sorts. I'm, I'm taking participate as a neutral term just to be descriptive and not Compared. as a judgment. 
No. On Actually, my... well, I was going to say this. <laughs> How about this? Three weeks ago, a great competition occurred. Yes. Right? Where Chris Warden, myself, and two other people were runners-up in a very competitive heat of beer drinking and sliding glasses across the table. You got schooled by the kids who are still in school. <laughs> well, I As figure, it should be. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's kind of like saying, like, man, those tiny little bastards were way faster uphill than you. You're like, yeah, of course. It's gravity, <laughs> logistics. Practice. But before that competition, there happened to be... A different competition. A different competition. <laughs> One that has some kind of importance. And to be serious for just a couple seconds before Joe ruins it, um, this actually was kind of a an interesting journey that happened, and I think that's what we're here to talk about. Why would you do something like that, and how long it's been, and what the real psychological purposes were behind it, and why your friends were helping facilitate such a fucking terrible thing. <laughs> We know the why. <laughs> Masochism? I, I was going to say God hates me. Mm. But um, but he's dead, so... Exactly. <laughs> so Joe hates you. Yeah. <laughs> and every now and then he pushes me down the stairs. But, <laughs> but you asked for it. I, I, right. Not specifically. <laughs> well, he told you twice. Yeah. <laughs> This is nothing to joke about. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> See, and that's where I went wrong. I said, pound me too. Uh, and boy, did I get a pounding, so to speak. <laughs> is that today? Yesterday? Uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, yeah. But yesterday, that was, it was my idea. Hmm. I kind of, so it was a little like masturbation. I pounded myself. <laughs> it turns out I had a three-hour tank on a four-hour ride. Oh. Yeah. It's not bad. Or maybe a two-hour and 15-minute tank on a four-hour ride. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really recall where. Um, you could try a two-hour tank on a six-hour, 43-minute ride. No, no, you can. <laughs> no, way you have. I have, and that's why I'm saying you should try it. <laughs> so, oh. it's good. Uh, so, Joe. Go ahead, kick us off with some of your elaborate ideas that you've sent me. Uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to maybe uh, put Mark under the spotlight on a podcast mm. uh, and uh, talk to him about um, the cycling thing, how he kind of got into it originally, how he got away from it and got back into it again. Um, That's the shorthand version. Okay, how I got into it how I got away from it, how I got back into it. I don't know. There's a stoli involved in all of those decisions. <laughs> the answer is vodka. Yeah. <laughs> you know, calorically, it's pretty, pretty good bang for the buck. Cycling or the stoli? <laughs> stoli. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, no, no, no. I, I understand from one, it. From I, one cyclist to another. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, it is It is important to clarify um, these inside jokes and innuendos because, you know. People get mad. Well, they just don't, they're just not mentally flexible enough to keep up. <sighs> well, you kind of mentioned it in passing. <clears throat> 
during the uh, symposium seminar. What are we calling it? That the was thing it. that happened last weekend. The event. The event. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it, it, and a it, lot of people it, probably it, don't know how you switched from alpinism, uh, being you know working with military groups, a list actors. And also generally being and kind some, of an asshole <laughs> how that brought you to bike, bike riding. But in my view, it's a perfect combination of, of ingredients that leads to... Well, it was more of the B-list actors that... Mm. Uh, I, I have to stop right okay. there. Because <laughs> we're recording. Um, so I, I actually... It, it is a pretty interesting because you had a shoulder surgery. Yeah. And then <laughs> I I mean sometimes there was a seems like a Toby a kind of a Toby podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, snap. Oh, I'm I'm just pitching hardballs and nothing's it's, happening. <laughs> nothing is nothing is bouncing back. Uh yeah, I did a little climbing back in the day and um at some point I was you know, down from the mountains, I was in the valley, I was in a ridiculous situation which happened to be an indoor rock gym. And uh, this would have been, I don't know, 92, 93, something like, uh, maybe we were living here already. It could have been 94. Anyway, so it was the early 90s. It was ancient history. I took a fall in the rock gym and uh, totally f- fucked up my shoulder. And yeah, yeah, hence my underappreciation of those particular um, <clears throat> locations. Hmm. Anyway, uh, so I kept it kept it together for with various therapy you know therapy kind of stuff and strengthening blah 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 for the next 13 years and in 2006 I was uh, was basically my my biceps tendon which was holding the shoulder together um, and uh, I was throwing a medicine ball therefore I was <laughs> catching a medicine me- some medicine balls and uh, yeah bad position too much too much ball <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, so, uh, tore the biceps tendon. My shoulder immediately felt better, because the <laughs> which was the shocking thing. It, like, it took all the pressure g- g- off of it. Yeah, I mean, it balled up down by me because it tore oh. off the top, so it balled up down and you know on the, on the inside of the elbow joint. Um, did you the muscle immediately did the, become a dick and start <laughs> tweeting dumb shit and posting Instagrams here? Just made me want to. It just made me want to do the Holy Trinity, but <clears throat> crazy in a different yeah the way um, a bicep tendon tear can do that to people it's just bizarre. just crazy so I, I i didn't want to become that guy so <laughs> i went to a surgeon to ask about having it fixed and uh he said well normally with this kind of thing you know if you weren't who you are like you're a climber you need to pull on things um we wouldn't we wouldn't fix it especially at your age <laughs> <laughs> fuck you anyway. that was a while ago folks, so <laughs> do the math do the yeah do some do some math um so we decided, okay, we're going to fix that and we'll fix the rotator cuff and all the other things that contributed to this injury in the first place. Um, but that meant in, in, uh, that for six or seven weeks after the surgery, I w- you know, if anybody familiar with having a shoulder surgery, you hug a pillow, mm. which you have slung around your neck and attached to your waist, and your arm is sort of in this position that I guess it's neutral or whatever. Um, and so there was no exercise that I could really do. I couldn't go outside because I was too high on pain meds and it would just be unsafe. Um, 
no, it's not totally true, but, uh, the, the, the bouncing and jostling, there mm. was, you know, there was nothing. I, um, you know, I gave my right hand plenty of exercise, <laughs> uh, and, but that got boring. So, uh, there is a 30% recruitment into the opposing joint. With hard with, flexion, with hard flexion of the of the capable joint. <clears throat> Man, I don't know if I was flexing <laughs> hard enough then. Uh, yeah, well, there was one or two nights probably. Had a... Anyway, um, so I I realized like okay, what I can do is you know put my bicycle into a trainer, you know, lock the rear wheel into a trainer, and go into the garage and. Uh, I was kind of, I, I was mostly spending the days like in front of the TV watching like bike racing DVDs and I just would, you know, or somebody at some point gave us like UFC zero to whichever oh, nice. one that fucker got knocked out in and didn't tap. Actually, I think it was a little bit after that one, but anyway, <laughs> so I had all of those, but that got boring really quickly. The The first ones were great, especially when that guy who claimed to be a ninja was present. Yeah. That guy was awesome. Um, and, or the sumo wrestler, yeah. Or the guy who basically just punched somebody in the groin repeatedly until that guy, um, not only did he tap, basically ruined his production of children for the rest wow. of his life. Wow, wow, that's a really risky sort of sport to participate in. I should have a lot more respect for that. Um, the other dude wasn't wearing a cup. I. Or maybe just like I don't think it was so hard, required like, back then. No, but no, either, I don't think either it was. way, that'd probably still be awful. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, if you just kept pounding, you'd eventually break it. Probably if you had a like the, good some, one inch punch, some kind of rupture. <laughs> yeah, something happened. Anyway, so I watched a bunch of those, and that got super boring. And then I started buying cycling DVDs because I was kind of into that. And I was they're like, well, if I'm gonna you know be a stationary cyclist, props, Keegan. Thank you. Um, I'm going to just do that anyway. So I was watching some on TV or whatever while I was lying in bed. And then I was like, ah, it'd be a lot better if I was spinning the bike in the garage and doing this. And so that started happening. And, uh, the surgery was late October and I, uh, so I had all of November, all of December, all of January. And sometime in early February after a nice 12 week workup, I was seeing some, you know, interesting data from my heart vis-a-vis effort because I had a power meter on my bike and uh, that's fuck I should just go get this tested you had a power meter on your bike before you had ever raced or done anything um that's like a weird is that weird that's weird it's a little weird yeah well it was one of those ones that goes on the rear hub and has power that tab. yellow computer yeah I believe, I believe that was a gateway drug for somebody in this room it was in fact it was probably th- that that very wheel and uh computer head um and it and, and that that started because i because being you know having a, a gym and trying to quantify things oh, right. and not wanting just to go and then i was riding down immigration one day behind some dude and i was like man that's an unusually large hub on the on that wheel and this guy was fast and uh, anyway, I like some point got near him and little yellow computer thing and big hub. Didn't I was too scared to talk to him, but uh, I I'm too out of breath from catching him. Too, yeah, too out of breath. <laughs> now, I was on his wheel for a really long time, but anyway, he. Uh, the, so I found out what it was and learned what it could do, and then of course I had to have one to go along with my lactate meter and you know all that shit because <laughs> I was severe too. So, um, so I started seeing some of these numbers and. I decided to go get tested. Um, I learned that uh, Max Testa was um, had been given a room. This is like I think before I got a formal association. Even 
but he had a, a, a very small sports medicine clinic over at Tosh. And uh, so I went over, we started talking, found out that, you know, oh, you're, you were a climber. Oh, I, I grew up in the mountains because my dad taught at the Alpine Military School in Cormayeur, which is just across the Mont Blanc Massif from Chamonix, where mm. the French Alpine Military School is. They were obviously the Italian side. And uh, so we uh, talked a little bit about that and, and, um, and then uh, gave me the test sort of, you know, the mat, you know, basically, you know, stress test. So VO2 mm-hmm. maximum lactate test uh, on a bike. And, um, it, you know, I looked at the numbers afterwards. How old are you again? And this and that and the other thing. And he said, wow, you know, this is, this is pretty good. If you uh, focused on this and, um, you know, you started racing because you, know, you probably should. That's what you're here to ask about. Um, and because I didn't want to you know, if I got bad numbers back, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm a, I have no physical potential at all in this sport. There's no way I'm even going to try it. So I needed to have at least some positive feedback. Hmm. And so he said, yeah, you do this and you focus on it. You'll, you know, your fourth season will probably be pretty good. Were were you, I mean, this is just coming from my own personal experience of trying a bunch of stuff and gleaming some insight from experts. I'm secretly wanting them to tell me that I am the next whatever or, yeah, you should have done this. And is that similar or are you way less egotistical than me? <laughs> oh, I was sold my anything, okay. you know, was over. I mean, I wanted, like, if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it as well as I could in the context of participation. Okay. But um, I certainly didn't want to hear anything like, wow, you should have done this 30 years ago and then, or whatever. And now that, 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 that part didn't, I was just looking for something still looking, you know, many years after the fact for something to kind of Mm. fill in uh, the gap. So to backpedal, you had originally hurt your shoulder. You said 93, 94. Yeah. 93. Well, I didn't even mean to do that. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing between then and when your bicep tendon decided to say crossfitting the fuck out of everything? Oh yeah. Were you done climbing at that point? No. No, I was still climbing, which is why I wanted to have my shoulder yep. good, but, and, and why I refused to have sur- a surgical intervention after the incident in the rock gym, um, because I was still climbing. Still, actually, the hardest routes were still in my future after that injury. And so, um, yeah, 93 to, uh, uh, yeah, 2000 is when I basically quit D- climbing. Did the 13-year delay make any improvements in the actual surgery? Like if you would have gotten it done right when it happened or probably. Okay. And plus I wasn't in a, you know, n- you know, at, at the peak of my ambition, I would have been the most non-compliant patient oh. in terms of recovery. I would have done too much too soon. Would have fucked it up. Would I, I, there was no, there was no, at, the, at that time, because of everything that I still had to do, the path that I was on, there was no way I would have, um, you know, taken adequate time off. But after, I did have it done in, you know, the surgery done in 2006. You know, the thing is, ah, yeah, six months, you'll be back to doing everything you want. And I'm like, okay. So this introduced me to the concept of orthopedic hubris. And I just decided that um, maybe I wouldn't, like, expect that speedy of a recovery. So we'll fast forward just a tad, because Joe seems like he's enthralled with notes. Um what because i in my own experience there was something very very specific about getting my first race 
that led to the second race, and it wasn't the fun. (laughs) 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 I believe we share a similar outcome of our first race. was Was it the camaraderie? (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah you mean the fact that um nobody talked to you yeah or when i asked a question people like physically turned the other way and walked off or um i got elbowed out of position about 19 times in a four corner crit in california that sounds um, about right did you elbow back uh no because i was trying to not fall over that comes later. Yeah. Anybody see the video um, recently that was on you know BBC, CNN, and everything of the um, the MotoGP guy reaching over and pulling another guy's brake? Yes. At one thirty oh, miles no. per hour. <laughs> yes. Check it out. It's fucking out. So he's he's out. He's been like kicked out. There was uh, apparently he had some other temper issues or whatever in the past, just fucking <laughs> with other guys. But seriously, it's two. They're two up. They're fucking charging. And he just reaches over while casually steering his bike and like pops the other guy's back. It's a, it's the back break uh, happily, but Uh, instead of going Indo and killing somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't really, you know, they, they kicked him out and you know, he's been fired by his spot. I can't, you know, all this stuff for endangering the other guy. I'm like, dude, it was the back break. What? Sorry. No, it's, I mean, I, I like yeah, my mixture or I've always had this like vision of having like a new sport after doing a couple of crits, which I would nickname cyclo karate, where <laughs> chops and kicks are allowed in the last in fa- 250 meters. In fact, they're encouraged. And they're encouraged and you gain points. <laughs> you get time bonuses for, for a good throat chop. <laughs> We're certain, mocking your sport, there, man. There, sorry, there, man. There was a certain Italian who uh, was very successful coming here to the U.S. Who, Cipollini? Uh, <laughs> who ruined a U.S. Uh, rider's career by kicking his handlebars out from underneath him. <laughs> it was an American rider who raced on a uh, convenience store-sponsored cycling team. Uh, and that guy was never the same again. Nice. Same Italian also attacked another rider with a two by four at a crit in a parking lot. <laughs> so, afterwards. so this was then later presented in that uh, that movie. Were these incidents the, like this, did he this learn? Was po- this did, was post uh, Breaking Away. Oh, so he just watched it too many times, is what you're saying? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, we don't carry frame pumps anymore, so I can't stick that in his front wheel. I'll just. I'll just uh, unclip kick his... and kick his bars out from underneath them. Oh, it was either he kicked his bars or he reached over and grabbed them and then just pulled. And just pulled in. Yeah. Whoa. You're feisty little guys. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, it, I didn't catch the emphasis there. Was it on feisty or little? A little. <laughs> I think it was little. <laughs> okay. That's actually pretty good. Oh, sorry. We've uh, detracted dude. from the... The plot. We have been uh, distracted from the uh, um, plot. So you got in racing. Something clicked. What was it that clicked from your... What was the first race? East Canyon. Oh, gross. Yeah. So, I don't know why you ever did another. <laughs> it, well, it, so I, I didn't know. I, I had done... Is it so, 50, so, 50, 50 mile road race with... Fuck, I don't know. 6,000 feet? Oh, it's not 6,000. No, oh, no. This oh. was also the old course. Oh, okay. Um, that went out through Croydon into this to that reservoir. Okay. Um, 
So I had done the Snowbird Hill Climb a couple of times on a bike oh. at that point, which is why I had the power meter and I was kind of in, kind of into riding, but I didn't know what racing was about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what mass start racing was. I didn't know how to ride in a fucking group. Mm. Um, I, you know, so that would have been... It's a totally different... Sp- I mean, I mean, not like... I, I mean, just in uh, like philosophy. Yeah. Climbing your kind of by yourself and, and, with and one also or two people you trust i had no idea that there was like that the categories meant something <laughs> okay because you can do you do snowbird hill climb you mm-hmm. sign up as a citizen whatever you go off and there's other license there's other guys with numbers or whatever mm-hmm. and they go to different time and they seem to be riding faster um but so in this race, so when I saw that I could sign up for this race, and I think it was, it happens in April, I think. Mm-hmm. Spring. Yeah. Sometime in the spring. Uh, it was the first sort of one that I could uh, maybe get into something or other. Um, and I, so when I registered, I, I did not yet, I, it's a sanctioned race. So I must have had my license. It must have said Cat 5. But you were not aware that you were a Cat 5 yet. I didn't know that 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 was a thing. I think I knew knew that I had, I think I had to have a license to sign up because it is a sanctioned race. Um, And anyway, but I, I didn't sign up in my category. Oh, Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Cause why would, cause you're that guy. I I mean, I didn't sign up in the one, two that didn't seem sort of appropriate anyway. So I, I mistakenly signed up junior women. <laughs> You're still number one. Um, no, I'm so I mistakenly, intentionally, whatever, I signed up as a cat four. Oh, and so okay. I went out with those yeah, guys. Okay. So it wasn't like too much of a leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking you'd get them with the threes, and that that would be different. Oh, then I would never have done. I'd never <laughs> have done another race, probably. Oh, it's just been um, a long time trial. Well, as it was actually, mm. um, because someplace you know. I, I think I stayed with the with the group for you know to the turnaround. Anyways, how, bi- how big was the field? Um, well, I felt pretty good about finishing fifteenth. Okay. Um, I I only asked out, like out of however many, so I'm guessing that means that I had the, you ridden with like a group that big. No. Okay. No. So there was a lot of you know eye opening moments. Um. People yell, hold your line. Uh, <laughs> it's a sad I, line. I, I believe I did hear that. Uh, people yell that no matter what is happening. <laughs> There's always somebody yelling, hold your line. <laughs> what does what is hold your line mean? Like, don't do anything fucking unpredictable. So if like, you're if you're cornering generally on a, on a corner. Um, and this is in a group of people. In a group of people. And you're stacked kind of, imagine bricklaying. Right, like somewhere forward, you're trying to avoid somebody's wheel coming into your front tire. You don't ever want to be in the back half of, of or you don't want your front tire ever to be in front of somebody's back wheel because they will like. There's no weight on your front, and they'll you'll you'll crash if they uh, move into yours. Your front wheel right. goes wherever yeah. so it's pushed. So there's generally, no coming into a corner, it kind of bunches and slows as people try to you know position, and then it like accordions out the other side. Um, so there's like this funneling effect and people that don't see like maybe this person is behind you on the inside and they float a little bit back and they imagine that suddenly that person disappears. So this person will start to take the more, you know, linear apex and this person will say, hold your line because they still are there. 
So that that's generally where it's useful. Where it actually gets said is everybody's going a straight line. Somebody's really nervous and they don't want people crowding them. So they say, hold your line because they're afraid of people bunching in around them. Once you get to cat three-ish, people kind of shut up. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Anyway. Yeah. But good Unl- question. Unless, because unless a four or five floats into the cat three. Sure. <laughs> unless a, <laughs> oh, it's a good then, question. Then because fucking, Unless a four or five who was an elite level athlete in another endeavor comes I, into this. It's a good question because a lot of people don't understand yeah. the, like, the anxiety that's going on has a lot to do with how close you are to other people. I mean, you're ricocheting off essentially on two wheels. And there's there's a lot of energy in that. And then the accordion, I, I would say, causes the the other energy. Like it just strings out. So when you come out of a corner, you have to sprint to catch up. And then it'll come to another corner and it'll bunch and spring and bunch and spring. And you end up. And that's even more prevalent <laughs> in the lower yeah. category uh, races. Where you can't manage your emotions or your speed. Got it. Kind of sounds terrifying. It can't. I mean, yeah. No, in the sure. lower cat, yeah. in the lower categories, sometimes you just hit the ground. You have no fucking idea why. So there was there was like no fear, no nothing. Just <laughs> some just, asshole just on the ground. It just yeah. can can be like that. Yeah, yeah. So so, you did so, that, so that first race, 15th. whatever. I came, you know, fifteenth, and I came back, or I something like that. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I did time trial. I, you know, I did get dropped on the way back and had to ride by myself for a long time, and I remember it was kind of windy. Um, <laughs> And along the res that that lake that reservoir and uh, and I was actually kind of psyched at the end you know it was a hard effort like kind of pushed me pretty far to the limit but I didn't you know there were still people behind me when I finished so I was pretty psyched about that <laughs> and then uh, I did some more races it seems like the slogan to bike racing um, or most people's experience in bike racing is a, it's like well I didn't get last. And that's the success of bike racing. And I feel good enough about it that, hey, I might do this again. Yeah, yeah there, it's almost a trap. Like, well, okay, so I was like, you know, front third of the pack. Um, man, I bet I could make it into like the front, I don't know, quarter, maybe the, you know, the front 10th. That's the gateway drug. Uh, yeah, but so what is addictive about it? Because it's not fun. Like, it's not a good experience. People aren't nice to you. I was going to ask that exact question because you guys don't make it sound enjoyable at all. And we don't like it. Like, you uh, you like bike racing? Fuck no, it's gross. Like, it's like... It's the dumbest sport ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, in my, I'll, uh, I can answer mine and then you guys who are, you know, more experienced. And um, for me, it was honest. It was like the first sport that anybody had been honest with me, which is... You you don't even you're not even good enough to talk to. Oh, <laughs> you 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 pose no threat and no one wants to know anything from you. Therefore, or, or like, as Brian Harder experienced, hey, where do you think you're going? <laughs> you know, like, I, it really Nowhere. does feel like that. That's it, right. <laughs> Get in the back. It, it, it fucking you, perfect. If somebody says that to you, it's like, yeah, it's actually true. I couldn't <laughs> go any harder than I'm actually going right now. <laughs> and, and it's funny because that has nothing to do with like ability necessarily. Some of it just has to do with like, no, I've been here a really long time. I know how this works. And if I just talk down to you, I don't have to race you because I'll shut you down psychologically, which is why the, the, the sport is attractive because there's all these, uh, it's there's highly a lot of mind games yeah, that you can Highly play. psychological. Which I, which once I figured that out, I totally love the sport because the effort is pretty pure. Like there isn't, there is skill. So I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but it is not 
necessarily a huge factor because if you can put out power and for long periods of time and you know who to follow and how to be efficient um it's not it, i mean it's a very different skill yeah than the technical skill of say brazilian jiu-jitsu or, know, or mountain bike I know riding fuck all about right. um or sport climbing okay or and i was gonna you say know, mountain biking or like, even mountain yeah because how you describe <laughs> you know mountain biking is just like man you can make up so much time without energy if you have a high skill level or in, in and i put this in yeah. in crossfit terms like there's some competitions out there that i call all motor um so it's uh, lots of running, lots of burpees, lots of dumb exercises. Yeah, very low and, skill. Right, but you throw one skill in there and you completely shift who's a winner. Cycling is on the side of being more motor than anything. It's motor and brain. And brain, right. And I was going to say the psychology behind that engine, you can really fuck people up. So my first crit experience, however devastating it was, I left it with the sensation of like, man, fuck these guys. Like, I, I can be as good as them. Like, they don't deserve to talk down to me or not talk to me or, like, not think I'm a threat. I wanted to be a threat. So then I went and practiced and came back and was not a threat still. Went and practiced some more, came back. I'm still not a threat. And then I came, maybe 10 racers or so, I got, you know, a good placing. And you I started was like, to figure out the flow yeah, yeah, of the race. Yeah, where I could save so you've energy. So you done your 10-mass start races yeah, and, and then you could I, move up to four. So I was doing, yeah, and it was like, I think I, I won a five, <laughs> and then I moved up, and then I just lost for the next, like, two years. <laughs> which is... Which you is guys also, are really selling me on this. Which is also a beautiful aspect of the sport, is that because of those categories, you can be the man in the small pond, and then as soon as you're the man too many times in the small pond they kick you up to the bigger one and the teeth and the motors get bigger and bigger yeah. as you work your way through cat and, four, the, and the brains obviously cat, cat fours are where dentists go to die and so you can get through that pretty quickly and then once you get to it, threes that's it where it took me kind of a long time you started in fours <laughs> well, I, I did have to go back to the fives after after that once once I found out and they found out. But um, but to to be out in in the fours at that age and racing guys who are sort of like I didn't want to race my age group mm. as you know race masters because why would I in my first season, second season, even third season race dudes that have been racing for thirty fucking years? I, it, so you knew enough about it to know that. That. Oh, I saw those guys go up the road in every fucking race I was in. Just drop my, those gray-haired guys that just like roll by, usually not even looking. You know, they're in a group and they're just charging. And I knew all of their fucking names. I knew it because it's like I want to be, you know, I want to rate shit. <laughs> like ultimately, and I yeah, only did a few races as a, you know, where I raced my age, where I raced Masters A. I'll, I'll put it this way. If you look, sometimes you can get average speeds from crits, like if they're big stage races. Um, the one twos will just be fucking astronomical. The the threes will be like three or four miles per hour slower than that. And the masters will generally be the same pace as the one twos. Sometimes yeah. even more. Sometimes faster. <laughs> A lot of the times they've been harder races than the pro categories. And you're like, because they are. like Especially a lot of, in yeah. Southern California. Yes, exactly. Like I've done some mastered racing in Southern California that were faster than the Pro One Two race oh. on the same day. Hashtag geezer nats. 
That's the AARP. Uh, AARP championships. Yeah. Sponsored by 7-Eleven and AARP. Yeah. So there are five categories. That's what CAT stands for. Five amateur categories. And then yeah. a pro or? Yes. And then it's there are pro different amateur? Levels, Is there so. a pro amateur? There is nothing, there's no such thing as a pro cat one. <laughs> That's so funny. I read that somewhere, though, as, as a designator. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I was kind of confused, actually. It was actually, uh, you may have read it in a bio somewhere. Okay. But okay. I can't quite recall. Anyway, uh, yeah, so five amateur categories. Um, I would say technically. Is there like a semi-pro category? So then there could are three be, but divisions. if there was, you should wake up, kick ass, then go kill yourself. Would, would everybody be comfortable with me calling myself a semi-pro Cat One stationary cyclist? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you? I well, heard, you've done at least you're, ten. You've you're done at least I, ten. I have. Right? I'm on twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. And, so that's and, at least automatic upgrade there. And, and if you kind of calculate, <laughs> and you've won and, everyone <laughs> since then. I've not lost. <laughs> Dude, undefeated <laughs> in 24 races. He and, is for and, sure. And the funny thing is, like, sure, using some, like, kind of made-up algorithm to compare calories to uh, meters. Well... He's he's second of twelve in the world. I mean, there's only he's only got he's only got eleven <laughs> other competitors internationally, according to people who keep track of this shit. <laughs> Did he send you the? the I told him about uh, it earlier. Yeah, okay. it's like it's pretty fucking good. Keegan would be like third in the world if he actually turned his shit in or finished a race. I, I did determine today I've logged 390 miles on the Concept 2 bike. <laughs> wow, that's a TSS score of... Uh, I, I, I don't know, a, it's, it's incalculable. No, it's TSS equal to have a beer. How many, <laughs> right. how many uh, Strava segments have you won now? Do you know what should put the we should put the C two in the back of a truck and go win some? <laughs> oh, oh my god, dude! I don't know what any of this means, but I'm in. <laughs> it will fit in the back of his truck. It will be the greatest. <laughs> well, we need to. We would need to be able to capture photographically or on video other people's expressions as Keegan pedaled the truck at the speed limit on I-15. No, no. He'd have to go up the canyon. Well, yeah, uh, yeah that's true. And actually, and, and actually he'd want to do it in a way that just like you couldn't, you couldn't take the KOM in the canyon. No. But, but at least get like top 10. Top 10. But, but you get top 10. So... We just need to figure out what that what that average speed is. Put we, that average speed. Put him in the back on the bike. He'll have to pedal, obviously, <laughs> just because. I foresee a leather helmet involved. <laughs> I was just thinking, my I'll, hair I'll, blowing in the wind. I, I, I'll drive because no goggles. one will see me in the driver's seat of that massive truck. <laughs> oh, actually, in, actually, can we just put me inside the sprinter? Van? We could just put you in the sprinter. It won't be as fun for other people to see <laughs> as you go by, but. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, we should set a Strava segment record by rowing up immigration. Uh, that's that's a that's a bit of a stretch, Michael. You know, I've ridden up there in the rain, but I've never seen enough water to row. <laughs> 
Hence the erg. <laughs> I, I still love the idea of, of Keegan in a in the open bed of a pickup truck. Just the wind flowing to that. Well, it's already that. happened. <laughs> I mean, he rode the Airdyne in the back of his truck when no one here was it was here to let him in. He just started spinning on the... It's a true story. That's called commitment. It, wasn't, it wasn't moving. I was actually waiting for did Michael. He, did he wake up and uh, kick ass? <laughs> no. Yes, obviously he was air dining in the back of a you know pickup and then truck. repeat it. It never got repeated. We gave him a key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the air dine would have gotten stolen out of the parking lot. Michael we were... instantly went inside and handed me a key and basically said, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> Dude, it's embarrassing. You're embarrassing us. The, the bums won't come in here if you keep doing that shit. <laughs> Ah, love me a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Okay, so you, you did a bike race. You did another bike race did in the no- correct category. Yeah. Uh, and again, like... Every, it- I just... That whole first season, every bike race ended in me riding by myself back to the finish. Well, nice. I don't think... I, I mean, I'd have to... I, I have notes from that stuff. And did you not do crits or shorter or did uh, you? I was terrified of criteriums. All I heard was like people go to criteriums and crash and get hurt all the time. And I need to protect my beautiful new shoulder. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That was actually probably pretty smart. Yeah. Never, cr- never, never. Cr- yeah. Um, I never crashed in a crit. I didn't start racing in them in, in crits until I believed in myself a little bit more. Um, but I do road races in the stage type events. And, and that's sort of like a time trial. No, uh, uh, criterium race is mass start. Um, short kind of circuit race, usually for a time period, like as opposed to a 50 mile race from A to B. So like how a, many can you do in yeah, the given time? Or, yeah, whatever. 45 minutes or 90 minutes, depending on, you know, what category you're from. Um, and those get dangerous because they're short, sharp corners. People do dumb shit. Everyone thinks they can win. <laughs> in, in the first 500 meters. First wait, wait, 500 wait, 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 wait. Therefore they try. What would it be like if they didn't? Like what? Who would I, sh- like? Yeah, actually, then no one would show up, would they? So everybody thinks that they're gonna. This is the first time I've ever fucking thought about that. Oh. When you go to a race, everybody actually thinks that they win. Or well, they if you go to the the local five k, you do win. <laughs> I'm talking about like a running, walking, yeah, 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 jogging kind of thing. But um, I. I uh, honestly, I don't know. That was a cynical statement on my part because but it's true. I mean, that, I knew a... my place quite well in the food chain, and if I was, in, but if, but later the, the the later seasons that I race, I show up at a crit, and I'm just like, okay, that guy can win, that guy can win. I don't know who he is, but it, fuck, he's tan as fuck. He spends a lot of time on his bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, his legs are <laughs> so shiny. Yeah, or he's a triathlete, and he's just going to go out the back at the first sign of a hill. Um, <laughs> Which you would or never being around other people, or being around other people, which which would not occur in a crit. But um, the so so later, once especially when I got like to know my the group locally, then you know who to mark or who mm-hmm. to watch. And if that guy goes up the road, uh, oh, he always blows. Yeah, if that guy goes up the road, fucking chase because he'll stay away. Mm-hmm. But if that guy goes up the road, yeah, he always blows up thirty minutes into a forty five minute race. So fuck that. You know, there's no way that guy can win. So just let him go. And, and then that every now guy and then goes he up would. the road every thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then comes back. It's it's just an interesting like I get met that guy yeah to be (laughs) not so cynical some people some people do show up to learn like I I think for the first I don't know I got beaten so badly for so long I don't think I ever thought I had a chance at winning 
that was not a thing. It wasn't even a possibility. And oftentimes, until I, well, you should have just downgraded your license to a lower category. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> and no, you, you can, they'll let you do it. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, when for I sure. go back, yeah. I plan can, on being a Cat Five again. Nice. You, you go see so like spend a lot of times in the a lot of time in the threes. Longer I don't know if you races, can go back higher. and be a Cat Five. I think you'd be a four. I'm going under a different name. Oh, okay. And I'm gonna wear <laughs> a Hawaiian T-shirt and some cutoff jeans for my first race. Perfect. I'll be there. <laughs> Me with too. The camera. You could, you, you could well, wear the shorts yes, that I Keegan, thought Mark will be, was going to wear on the bike ride today. You will be there, and you will be similarly I'll, dressed. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take Keegan for his first bike race. Yeah. Oh, please tell me when that is. <laughs> Come back down to Sully. Well, this is the last year of RMR, which is actually quite sad. Actually, they might have already had the last RMR race. Yeah, but you wouldn't want that to be his first. Why not? <laughs> no, you want you want the big Cottonwood Hill Climb to be his first. <laughs> Just, just have them start out like we all did, you know, citizen category. So I started out in California with 120 people on a mass start. On well, a four so, yeah, do but, you remember what that crit was? Yeah, it's the Compton crit. Oh, down Dominguez Hills. Yeah, that's an oh, awesome I name. Do. Yeah, the Compton crit. Well, it's a Dominguez Hills crit, but it's in Compton. I know exactly so that crit. You go, you to get to that. That has a little hill in it. A little tiny, yeah, yeah. It's a little grade. It's not bad, um, but. You're straight up five in the morning in Compton. On a straight bike. into Compton. Straight into Compton. <laughs> it's very ice cube of you. <laughs> uh, I I didn't plan well when I went for the first time. <laughs> I'll just say that. I did not plan I, well. It was different. Anyway, so you you're doing these races. <laughs> you're you're obviously obviously finding an appreciation for the sport. You're getting something out of it. Obviously, nothing tangible. Like nobody could say anything tangible at a bike racing. But <laughs> fuck no. If, if, I want a if, case of sugar babies once. Yeah, I got a snowboard socks one time. Nice. Prem lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's one of those things with the criteriums that always like blew me away is that people would like take a lot of risk and sprint yeah. for these like mid race preems and it'd be like a you know a a pizza. From like some local, and I'm just like, you're fucking kidding me. That not only does that pizza suck. Thank you for being a sponsor of the race, however. <laughs> um, uh, but like, <laughs> well, people yeah. care it, about recovery, Mark. I mean, hey oh, man, the, putting on bike races is hard. But here's here's the funny thing sure. about that. The preem lap I, I cannot comment. The preem lap does I, work. I, like I, it's supposed to incite idiocy, not <laughs> excitement. It incites idiocy, and it has worked yeah, to my favor. Okay. In fact. One of the very few races that I have won was based on what happened on a preem lap. Like I started a break, I initiated after 15 minutes of a fucking hour and 20 minute long crit. There was a slight uphill, which is strange because it's actually quite steep. And I initiated the break. Five people came with me. DMV? No, down no, in. Um, say like <laughs> no, DMV would never, would would never, never win. Fucking yeah, yeah. no way. Um, no, this is down in uh, American Fork, kind of Lehigh area. Okay. Yeah, Lehigh. Um, and was the only it part of that Bikes for Kids Omnium thing? No, no. This was, even it was just a one-time single crit on, for the summer. Fucking, give me a break, man. Come on. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> um, so five people went with me. After about 30 minutes, I was like, fuck, we have a huge gap. I was like, i got to start whittling people away. So I started using that climb to punch it each time I got on the front. So I'd make sure I got to the front and punch it on the climb, punch it on the climb. Look back, three people. I'm like, okay. So they call a preem lap. And I noticed 
one kid is going to go for it. So I let him sprint for it, but I ride his tail and then I sprint past him on the preem lap and start to cut him off. And then it happens again. Now I'm with one kid and he knows what I'm doing, but I think he's dumb enough. So we get another preem lap for fucking socks, of course. And I let him go for it. And instead of like trying to pass him, I start yelling at him on the way. And I tell him, you ruined everything. You fucking went for a preem lap. We need to stay away, you fucking idiot. And then I start yelling at him for like, I don't know, 30 seconds. He stops pedaling because I'm so aggravated. And then I went on to fucking win. <laughs> I got him to quit. He came up and apologized after. I'm so sorry, man. I should have not gone for that preem lap. I should have just stuck with you. We should have just hammered it out to the end. And I was like, I did that on purpose. So you'd give up. <laughs> Yell at somebody for a pre- the psychological stress. I would have been like, hey, man, let's split the preem. <laughs> you get one side, <laughs> I get the other. Let's just I, keep working together for the end. It was, it was a shock to me. Actually, Zach took second in that one, which was pretty funny. We went one, two. Um, was he the kid you yelled no, at? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that kid was Dude, gone. Dude, your gone. friend. <laughs> no, I still had to hold them off for nine laps. Oh, right. Oh. So I time trialed for nine laps. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it was a well. That was a well-deserved win. My and uh, and so you got two pairs of socks. <laughs> no, I didn't. He got the socks. I didn't get shit. I won the fucking race. I didn't get anything. <laughs> you got to come do my bike races, man. You huh. win cash money. Hmm? Are you organizing bike races now? I organize a bike race. Well, then and, why did you uh, say do my bike races? Well, because I've put on many over the years. But well, because I there's different categories in the race. <laughs> I, I promote a bike race in uh, Redmond, Washington. Oh, it's okay. the longest continuously running Seems bike race. Strangely racist. In America. Redmond? It, it, it's Redman, Washington. Redmond. Mond. M O N D. Now it's Red Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> I just. What? Hey, if, if, anytime, uh, Keegan, you feel like we need to start over, we can just <laughs> press stop and stop these fuckers from. <laughs> ruining it? Are we ru- <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Just oh, stop okay. these fuckers. Ellipsis. As in dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. Just curious about. Anyway. So you do some bike racing. <laughs> well, we can fast forward a bit. 2010 rolls around. And you get an email. Well, there's that. 2010, I was, I was on fire that season also. Because it was my fourth year, as predicted by Max Testa. Ah, yes. Yeah. I'd finally learned how to race my bike, as Sam Krieg noticed one day. There was a difference between... He he indicated to me uh, once, he said, uh, Hey, Mark, you should race your bike instead of just riding your bike. Did that hit home? Not at the time. <laughs> Not until I hit him. <laughs> We had a discussion after the first time he said it. Um, I didn't. Un- I didn't understand. We had, had a long conversation. Sam's c- climber um, and and a pretty damn good bike racer in a certain, in a, in a certain period. And then mm-hmm. you know, good Nordic ski racer, but but hyper analytical about stuff. But he could he could to- totally tell the difference. And so after we had you know he, he helped he educated me on the difference between racing my bike and riding my bike in a race. Um. And then someday, one day, uh, I think it was the, that bi- the Bikes for Kids Omnium, I won the uphill time trial in the morning, and then we had an actual team for the race 
four or five guys. It was first, the only first and only time that ever worked for me. Um, and right on the start line, they had just finished and I was going out and he's still just totally shattered, you know, spit all over the place, blah, blah, blah. Cause Josh got on the front and started <laughs> destroying people anyway. Um, and I was going for the start line and he goes, Hey Mark, race your bike. And that was the day that I actually, like it all, it kind of clicked. You and, raced smarter, I did. not harder. Um, I did race pretty hard at some point, but yes smart was that a smart time that i raced hard yes exactly (laughs) not at the uh for the team Hmm. it was smart for the team it was not smart for myself but um had a good result i think we out of the top five places there were three of us up there or something but um so yeah 2010 um was a good season i was super by that point i i had you know obviously there was a gym thing and i was training some uh, guys who race their bikes in the gym also mm-hmm. in the off season and talking with them, hanging around them. I was just, it, it was all I was into. Yeah. And that was the year where I realized like, okay, f- you know, 400 hours a year of volume is not enough. So that year I bumped up quite, uh, I think I bumped to 500 hours that year, that season and went from, I, I don't remember the mileage, but it was a significant increase in mileage. Uh, coincident with the amount of time it turns out yeah the more you ride the faster you get yeah. super strange adding 25 percent long to that yeah did you find cycling an adequate um i guess supplement or it's like fi- filling in the piece for what climbing was before um if it's more like a methadone thing <laughs> <laughs> got it like yeah, yeah if you could it's just enough yeah <laughs> and it's not That's, as frowned upon because it makes it look like you're trying to get better yeah exactly <laughs> and i can't i i don't know the sort of mechanics of the differences uh i, I still think you're shooting up yeah they're both opiates <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah, well. they're both the same one's just diluted one's not dilated. one is not dilated. <laughs> yeah if i can tell you that because um and then Warner Brothers it, came raining on your parade. No, no, <laughs> not no. Before, <laughs> well, that so it was a light rain. I mean, no, it wasn't. It stopped. It, it rained really hard at that race. Yeah, because well, we but, we, but we stayed but, pretty active but, when we but went to Chicago. Prior to that, yeah. that mm-hmm. um, like it was 2010 season when I got an email out of the blue from the Joel Holmes. Oh, oh, like we had we did not know each other and um and i was super into racing the the previous year the previous i can't remember when the tour utah started so it was either the previous year the previous two years i'd gone um once oh no it must have been the previous two years because uh once i went out to um sundance and that climb on the alpine loop and shot a bunch of pictures Mm. and then the next year i went to the top of big mountain and watched uh Oscar Sevilla. I mean, this was back when the, who they were racing? Rock, rock, racing. rock racing. Yeah. So he went off the front and then I think it must've been Manseba that bridged. It's like they the still... Balco of American cycling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They just offered a place for, you know, people with, um, so the Oakland Raiders of cycling. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There we go. There we go. Uh, who is that guy that 
Did somebody just shove a treat under the door that Lambert's? <laughs> no, it, it fell out from the chair. Oh, okay. It like covered where the screw goes in or whatever. Oh, it looks like some kind of thing that Lambert uh-huh. might find tasty. But D- Here's uh. a personal question. In 2010, when you got an email from Joe Holmes and you could, let's just fantasize about your ability to tell the future and you knew when this guy emailed you that he would be sleeping on your floor at your house and ruining your life whenever he came into town, would you have responded to that email? <laughs> God, that's that's uh, that's more than a coin flip right there. That's, that's, <laughs> that is... It's a friendship-ending question. Right? <laughs> not really. Or, or would you just have gotten so, like a condo with another bedroom? <laughs> And, so and I risk s- making him more comfortable? <laughs> I specifically, uh, you know, a- actually the, the nature of our friendship is such that he does he no longer sleeps on the floor. Well, yeah, he's buying a fucking van that he can sleep outside of your house now. Oh, I, wait, have, I have wait, the ability are, wait, of foresight. Wait, I, I, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Will that thing fit in visitor parking? <laughs> only, only if they had just made it six inches wider. <laughs> God, you could you could either fit two cars or a sprinter van if this fucking parking spot was six inches wider. Well, no, no, you can fit the sprinter van and then the canopy and the barbecue that you're going to set out outside. Well, that that actually would be great because we don't have a balcony, nor can we barbecue. Yeah. So, so you're doing Mark a favor. You yeah. roll up with that sprinter, you pop the back, and bring out the gas barbecue, dude. You can stay. Boom, HOA. It, <laughs> out of there <laughs> yeah no more visitors <laughs> I'm sorry Joe you ruined it for everyone but strategy wise this is your way of getting rid of him that won't make it look like you're getting rid of him no no it was only the one time that I was happy to see him go oh, oh right, right right and that was earlier this year this time so ah oh, fuck it I'm still gonna be happy <laughs> so, no, so, after after yesterday but then I think I think I could, it's easy to blame you know the feelings that I had last night hmm. on you. I'm going to call. But this it f- was my fault, so I can own that. <laughs> we, you called it some sort of domestic violence relationship. <laughs> no, beaten, beaten, no, beaten. Cycling, was, cycling friend syndrome. That was that was that was Ben Treasure who who noticed oh, that. Okay, he said earlier today. Text sent me a text. You guys like you guys have been hitting it hard, and then he followed up with. Actually, it looks like Joe's been hitting you hard. <laughs> I call Which this is when I replied that <clears throat> he hit he, me. <laughs> he, he doesn't really mean it, and 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 you deserve it. I call this bad uh, friend amnesia. <laughs> it's like as he goes away for long enough, like yeah, dying yeah, to like, see him come back. Ah, oh, Joe's awesome. He likes riding bikes. It comes back. Fuck, I have to ride my bike now. Oh, but it's it's crazy the 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 spikes in mileage and. You know, <laughs> anger, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Shit, Joe, you're an enabler. Mm. I haven't found a twelve-step program that works yet. <laughs> <laughs> Is a, how about twelve pedal strokes? The only coins we have are the ones I throw at Mark to wake him up and get on his fucking bike. <laughs> so, Fuck. so, all right. So, so I you get, get an email. So I get this email, and it's and it's from Joe. And Joe, at the time, he's um, he's directing. Uh, a development team in the Northwest and they got basically a wild card invitation to come down the tour of Utah, uh, um, which e- even at that time there were some good, you know, some like much higher level teams than the team that you were a director for like 
Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, and and so it was so it was a, a UCI two point two was okay. the designation. So it had a UCI designation. So that means pro tour teams could come. Not pro tour. Okay. Uh, two point two designation is that amateur uh, teams can compete. Yeah. Continental teams can compete, and pro county teams can compete. Okay. So. Anyway, so there's some hitters hmm. that that come. I had obviously had some experience. You know, like ridden out, I'd seen it before, um, and and I know from bike racing that there are team cars, and that they ride behind the race, sometimes in the race, sometimes the people in those cars appear to be like crazy people, Italian. Well, no, they, <laughs> that's all I imagine is like Italian drivers honking oh, and yelling shit out the window. Yeah, okay, like Rome. Yeah, like just <laughs> not. Far from not the a truth. pejorative. Okay. Yeah, but but so there's some, so there can be some crazy driving, but there's also but it's a, it, it, it's highly skilled. Mm. But if you're in that car, then you are in the fucking race. You're seeing the race from a totally different place. Mm. And so Joe, uh, having uh, become acquainted with me through climbing, because despite being from Ohio, Joe was a climber. <laughs> um, and had hung out with some, you know, some people, one in particular who I have a lot of respect for, a guy named John Long, a.k.a. Largo. Um, and so he just, out of, out of the blue, he s- sends me this email and says, hey, I'm coming down there with my team. You know, this is kind of who I am, a little, little background story. And then uh, I'm coming down, I'm directing this team. We've got an invite to the Tour of Utah. Um, would, you, would you like to go for a ride, you know, like to be in the team car during one of those stages? And I took me like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Like it was a very, in my timeline, super, (laughs) it was a basically immediate reply of, oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) And so then we started this email conversation. They showed up. We actually went for a bike ride. I got to meet some, uh, some cool guys in the house after that ride. I can't, so. Morgan Schmidt. Morgan was there. Max was there. Yep. Who was riding for UHC at the time, right? Uh, Yes. And Morgan um, was the guy with, um, let's say, a, a vast network of veins through his legs. Is that the that was Morgan, right? Yeah. That I met in Chicago that you set me up on the team car. Uh, no. Oh, what's that? Probably Lang. Lang. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Lang Reynolds. Yeah. Is he still racing? Eh, not so much. The guy okay. had like quite literally just like uh, it looks like a fucking leaf on his quads he just had like a branch of he must have been dehydrated networking <laughs> for blood <laughs> um anyway so so we go for a, we go for a ride that was fucking great the race starts go in stage one josh brackbank is racing for can he's mm-hmm. like they're do you know they're there as the like the local what are they the utah all-stars or whatever they call yeah. themselves yeah. or we're called so got to see him in the race, you know, going by wherever it was like, and the, it started. Yeah. So stage one, um, got in the car, the first race. And then I can't remember at some point we're in the caravan We're pretty far back because there's, there hasn't been any hierarchy established with team cars yet. If I recall, so we're pretty far back in the caravan. And then who was it? Sam in the break Johnson. I believe and so. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, so one of the, so one of the guys got in the break and he was calling for like a bottle. Oh, and so then, then it was just like, now I'm not looking at the piece of paper with everybody's names and their team and all that shit on anymore. Now I'm just holding on because there's a, there's a psychopath driving the car that I'm in. <laughs> and it was 
fucking amazing. And then there was, so we got up to him. Um, anyway, so you pass through the caravan, pass through the whole fucking Peloton, get up to the break, give him what he needs, then drift back. And then there was another point where there was this totally sketchy bottle handoff to Lang that, uh, I mean, that, caught that, on video, it, which was caught on video because this time I was like, I'm filming. If I'm going to die, it's going to get fucking recorded on video. If we're going to like, be like the fucking Blair Witch style shaky cam. Um, not far. Okay. However, it was in color. And, and, and so he, I don't, and, and, and I believe the quote from Lang was, Oh, getting sketchy. <laughs> yeah. As I'm looking out the back. So who's, was it Spencer's? golf that we were driving yes <laughs> oh, in, like, in my head you guys are in mini coopers not far <laughs> not far i mean it, told you, it's so, like an italian job that's that's all i could think about <laughs> after you said that it i mean and and driving kind of like that um but i i just i have some pictures out the back window of the golf with lang on the bumper because <laughs> after we gave him the feed or whatever we're trying to drag him back to something kind of he might have been drafting but you know he definitely got a uh power bottle power bottle back into the yeah into the peloton anyway with the james card next to him yeah. <laughs> taking a picture so there so mark's taking this video picture mm-hmm. out of our car with lang in between and i believe a james rider on his side and then the photographer in the james car has the photographs <laughs> ha, it has a camera trained on us and i've seen that picture where it's like a photo of, of him photo. taking a photo that was kind of cool. That yeah, and it, and so then I was kind of even more hooked yeah. on the whole thing after after that day. And then there was the descent. That day, or I think it was that day. That was yeah, that day that because it finished in Salt Lake. Oh, that yeah. So down immigration. Yeah. So we yeah so rode down Big Mountain. That was uh, yeah. And there was the descent because I I kind of feel like Spencer was up. F- like close-ish to the front? Well, so usually what happens is a situation like that in, in a climb, eventually riders will start getting dropped. There might be a barrage, which a barrage is the officials hold the team cars behind so that then the riders can't use the caravan to get back into Contention. The, the front peloton. Mm. And then you go over the top of the descent, and then you're like the descent and most of the time, the riders can descend faster than the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in the caravan. You have to watch the car in front of you, the car behind you, the riders in front of you, the riders coming, coming up through, from behind you, the riders that's suddenly next to you, and oh, there's a hairpin turn. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, it it gets wacky. It's and so, th- so then that that was great. And then you know, you continued to work. I had to go back to work, whatever. And then there was the queen stage. Um, which was, I just have damning evidence of Joe's behavior as a team director. <laughs> Let's say some, there were some very sticky water bottles. It just like a guy grabbed this bottle and couldn't fucking let go of it for a really long time up a hill. So, <laughs> and suddenly was going 60 miles an hour. <laughs> I bet, you know, if, hey, dude, dude, don't post this on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you'll 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 have the KOM on this climb and it just won't look good. <laughs> Somebody kind of got spit out the back and <sighs> anyway. Anyway, was, what was it about? Because not much after the, maybe the next summer when we were in 
Yeah, it was not Sh- it, it, Chicago. It was almost a. You weren't there, but you offered to do the. I forgot what the fucking race was there. Down uh, Elk, maybe Elk Grove. Elk Grove. Elk yeah, Grove. Elk Grove. Yeah, yeah. So which was like a long neighborhood crit. It was not very cool. Um, <laughs> other than like seeing in real, like I saw the same thing as him. I was like, man, this is fucking crazy. The best part I saw wasn't the riders because no, none of the team got in the break or there was not really any action going on. But what I noticed was how good the team car drivers were compared to the caravan drivers. So like cops shutting off corners, motorcycle cops, other cops, trying to match performance-wise in something that they have never done before and thinking like, oh, a bicycle went through the corner at that speed. I'm on a motorcycle. That's similar. No, it is not. A full-on like motorcycle cop just fucking hits the deck, slides into the curb, bike gets wrecked, and he stands up like nothing's wrong and like tries to like get on as fast as he can. And we pass him like, what? <laughs> it's, it's the first time I realized the hubris involved in like carrying a badge. Yeah, well, not oh. that wasn't the first time. Oop. Sorry, in in carrying an ego. Yeah. And a into, a corner at high speed. <laughs> into a corner. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. So uh, that what I found about pro racing that really like it, it set the tone. I think for myself too to like see things play out. The difference in those two, like there is a vast difference between pro bike racing and amateur bike racing. Uh, even if we're doing the same thing, there's a vast difference between pro anything and amateur anything. Exactly, and and, and but you're still experiencing the same thing. Yes, to a point. To a point. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, there are other riders stronger than you. Yes. Like, oh, I'm getting dropped, or oh, I feel great, mm-hmm. or oh, this sucks, or it's all it's it's relative. What what helped me from a, at a, like a pro level was the like very small amount of um, worry about each race, right? Like somebody got popped out. It was just like, yep, happens. Cool pack it up or like what save it for the next day that was that's what surprised me it was like it is not worth because at the time i was still trying to prove that i wasn't lazy so i was like no i'll finish this race i'm good uh, you know everything Joe was, and i had this conversation right everything about dropping out of a race right everything started. was about that and it took me a long time until i saw a pro race to be like i don't give a shit these are the best guys in the world and not taking it personally they just had bad luck had a bad day and if they focus on that and still come in last place just to finish the race to you know pretend that they're tough. That will actually be detrimental to the next day because the guys are and racing detrimental races to the year. team right the next day. So it's you know a hundred unless they need race. to finish in order to get to the next right. stage. Like there there should be a reason. But this this idea of quitting and qu- quitters are losers and losers are not welcome and blah 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 blah. Which I think is another thing that's different with cycling compared to a lot of other mm-hmm. sports. You still see it in CrossFit, right? Like um, they'll they'll be in last place. There is no purpose. I thought we were talking about established sports. It's for the community, bro. Right, yeah. And the people are cheering for them to finish the thing and put more stress on them. Like, guys, there's another event. Just walk away. Like, you're not... You're not doing yourself you, any favors. You're not actually going to score any points in this one. <laughs> right, you're done. Uh, and Therefore, it, and it happens, and, and it, it doesn't make any sense at that level or in a in a bike race. So, that was one interesting point about pro racing. I was just thinking. I think it's actually like frowned upon in CrossFit if you just kind of like, yeah, fuck it, I so, got last, I'm going to stop. And people are like, what do you mean you're going to stop? And you're like, I'm doing this competitively. This is right. my sport. I'm not just in the gym for an hour. Right. 
Yeah. You know, people Anyways. quit that shit all the time. Well, <laughs> usually before they start it. Right. So oh, there, is right. Some, there is some utility, right? To like, Shortly after buying the membership on January 7th. <laughs> yeah. I, I would argue there's some utility in like learning not to quit. That's all, like that, that should not be frowned upon. Once you start quitting, it's easier to quit the next time and the next time. But yeah. at a certain point, you know, yeah, maybe at, the, at a certain point, a lot of times you aren't allowed to finish. Right. They pull you. Right. Uh, or at a certain point, it's just like you said, it's detrimental. I think you shouldn't quit till you can get paid. And then it's probably okay to quit because you're getting paid. <laughs> Good standards. <laughs> and then you, by the time you're getting paid, you will know how not to quit. Therefore it's a tool, not just an ego driven thing. Maybe. How, do you quit Joe? Oh, I quit all the time. Awesome. <laughs> I was actually going to say, you know, after uh, after the symposium this weekend, when uh, my, you, Michael, you described this sort of moment, I can't remember exactly what it, it was, the burpee, death by burpee thing, oh. and you got up to a certain point and you said out loud, okay, I quit. I was, some point yesterday, I was chasing Joe up something, and I was just <laughs> going to be like, say it out loud, but I didn't have, I couldn't breathe, <laughs> like, so I couldn't, I couldn't say actually it. say anything out loud, I could just... I tried to think it loud enough <laughs> that it would have the same effect, and then and then I just kind of stopped pedaling for a little bit, and it's like, yep, I just consciously quit trying because I know if I keep trying right now, I might have to call fucking Uber <laughs> later. So there was a I, negotiation. No, um, no, it doesn't sound like there was a negotiation at, at all. all. Yeah, okay, not, not at all. I was so fucking smoked from the from the weekend that I couldn't even have a conversation with myself. I just, <laughs> I just like stopped. The, there's just one voice inside and it was not the right one. I mean, it was that, the only one. It was, it, it so. was, the, so therefore it was right. But, but the, the voice that said like, fuck yeah, that fucker stayed home <laughs> and took a nap. That fucker's we, exhausted. It, yeah. That fucker's exhausted. So he's just like, fuck yeah, you need to get out the door and get fucked. Uh, I'm just going to nap. Kind of how it went down yesterday. <clears throat> which Where are we is at subs- in our journey? Which, which we're is at, we're so at. cool about riding bikes. <laughs> you can go so far. So you race bikes. You sell a bike race. Yeah. Riding your bike. Did some bike riding in Southern California that you thought was going to be terrible. I the, the riding around Los Angeles sucks. Don't ever go there and do it. I, Especially I, I, in the Agora Hills area. Don't yeah, go there. No, don't go there. Don't go there. There's already too many people hating riding bikes in that area and other people hating riding bikes in that area. It's just going to, it's just going to, the pressure will just be too much. Yeah, that was fantastic. So I would say um, go to Chicago. There's great road riding. Yeah, just um, uh, head. Scenic is beautiful. Nature, cornfields, soy fields for miles. It's just it's mile not very after windy. mile. After mile, and there's no climbs to bother you. I say everything's probably downhill with a tailwind. No pesky climbs to get in the way, (laughs) right? Of enjoyable flat riding. There's a fucking star. Well, actually, it goes like this. This is kind of a tangent, so stop me. Okay, right, stop. It it (laughs) goes. It goes. It goes. Bed Bath Beyond, Target, Starbucks, and then you wait two blocks, and then it goes Dick's Sporting Good. And then uh, uh, day, some kind of barbecue play, Texas barbecue. Is that yeah. The something one? like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of those barbecue yeah. joints. And then for some reason, another Starbucks and then the next sequence and it repeats fairly. So, often, the, then so then there'll Walmart. be some either soybean or corn yeah. for, I don't know, up, up to 10 miles. Mm-hmm. And then you have the a re- few silos. 
Yeah. Some salt. Uh, and, yeah. And, and then you get much. then you get to the diverse part, and you'll have a Chipotle, and a Target, <laughs> and then a Bed Bath and Beyond. That's the nice area. Kind of reverse order, yeah. whatever. Um, so uh, after the 2010 sort of cycling season, et cetera, sometime in the beginning of 2011, uh, some phone calls were made and exchanged and for a variety of reasons. Uh, I ended up in Pasadena where uh, I was you know, before we actually started filming Man of Steel, where I was working with Henry and eventually Ancha and then Russell and et cetera. And, and, and I realized, like, okay, the riding around Pasadena is not bad. Chevy Chase Drive is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's all right. And then uh, the, the actual the prep studios that we were working in the soundstage was Delfino, which is out uh, in the valley, <laughs> kind of north end of the valley, um, just before you go around the corner into Santa Clarita. So you have the Little Tahunga Canyon, uh, the Big Tahunga Canyon, whatever. But that, was, that was a little bit less interesting because Little Tahunga, I could leave the studio at lunch after training someone, do the whole loop, get you know, drop into Santa Clarita, come back down, and be back at the studio in just under two hours. Good climbing, beautiful views, etc. But I had already been introduced uh, at that time, or maybe sometime during that process. Joe came down, um, who has no small amount of experience riding in the uh, Agura Hills area, and uh, took me on some rides. And I was just like, this place kicks fucking ass. And so I got actually pretty good at the commute, the tail end of the day commute to... I think go across the 118 through Chatsworth. Is that yeah. what it is? They drop yeah. down through Thousand Oaks, end up in Westlake, park the car, ride for two hours, and then just get in rush hour traffic back to Pasadena or something like that. But um, <laughs> sounds delightful. Well, hey, by that point you don't give a fuck. You do three hours in the canyons there, where the average elevation gain is 100 feet per mile, 100 feet per mile, if I'm not mistaken. That's yeah, a pretty good, zo- pretty good zone. Um, then you just get in rush hour and you don't give a fuck. Yeah, take all the time you want. I got. I, I went and got snacks and especially if you hit the Jamba Juice and Starbucks in Westlake Village. Exactly, exactly. Because they are right next to each other. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a chair with our name on it. So there's <laughs> a chair with your name on it. I didn't. I didn't quite make it that <laughs> long, but, um, but so, so so the whole Pasadena experience. I think there are two and a half, three months where I was can, able to ride the canyons and able to ride from the the, the studio and, and, and on, the, on the bad days, I had to ride around Pasadena. Oh, woe is me. Um, <laughs> and, and then uh, Michael showed up and started to help. And, uh, and then suddenly it was time to go to Chicago. And I was not racing in California because I was pretty busy. We got to Chicago, uh, not racing, but riding, mm. um, passing the... Bed Bath and Beyond and the Target and the this and the There's that. There's so many beat down rides. <laughs> so many. And <laughs> and then there I, was Mark a, was making me pay for bad weeks. <laughs> like the Saturday and Sunday was just a was like a how a teenager would cut themselves. <laughs> it's not a joking matter. I I'm not joking. It fucking hurt. <laughs> it was, I'd only felt pain like that maybe one other time on a bike. And it was when I was in Santa Barbara and some old dudes took me up on a shitty seven hour. I was on a time trial bike, a painted cave in Santa Barbara. We started oh. in fucking Ventura. All bad decisions start with a time trial bike. I had a fucking time trial gear on there too. That's how fucking smart I was. So, 
to say like so that was my bad experience but the old guys you know they fostered care got me back okay in one piece the next time i felt that was another old guy <laughs> beating me down in chicago which was completely useful it was a totally useful experience um and we did they had some little omnium style weird midwest bike racing things where no one really knows what the fuck is going on. They switch the style of racing every like 15 minutes or something. You went to a velodrome also, right? No. Well, yeah, I met. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't race a velodrome in, in Chicago. I just went there and watched because yeah. that's where I met Dan Harm. Another fellow in the mix. But he's a different. We have to get Dan Harm on here. What the fuck? We do. Dan Harmon, if you're listening. You got to find him first, don't you? I, we can't. I don't, he has no account anymore. I don't know where he went. He pops up every once in a while with some awesome, weird, psychedelic video I've, that I've, I never I never appreciated until I had a massive dose of mushrooms and then watched it and was like, he's a fucking genius. Was that when we watched it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you shared that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's the kind of shit you... Well, no, you, it was... I mean, Keegan's trustworthy, but you wouldn't want to let other people know that... That there's art geniuses out there? Dan Harm <laughs> is... Lo loose interpretation of that saying. I, I'm sorry, but you, I think differently now that I've seen it. I'm thoroughly impressed. And he is a fucking crusher on a bike. That guy can fucking pedal a bike. For long and or short... Joe, did you have a coaching relationship with Dan at one point? Uh, not really. Uh, I was his team director at a couple of races. Okay. okay. Where he was a guest writer. Yeah. Uh, Dan was a little misunderstood. To say the least. But from, most artists are, From what I've are, gathered, Joe. I can see how that would happen. <laughs> from the video I, yeah. that, that I get it. Watched. I get it. We, are, we had a pretty, you know, once yeah. that particular movie moved from Chicago onto Vancouver, we actually had a pretty cool experience with Dan. Well, and I, this, is, that, this that leads into something, amazing. actually. So... Uh, I met Dan at the velodrome in Chicago and, you know, I just wanted to watch. He actually happened to win that night, which is rare on a track, especially. And we got to talking. He had been actually following Mark and, you know, some of the Jim Jones stuff, trying to figure out how that applies to bike racing. And so he asked a couple of really smart questions. He said he was in the Northwest area. I told him we would be in Vancouver. Why doesn't he just come up and we'll teach him what we know? So lo and behold, a couple months later, Dan on a bike with panniers towing a trailer, rode his bike up from fucking Washington. From Seattle. From Seattle in the fucking rain to stay at our place in Vancouver. Well, so that's redundant. He's riding a bike from Seattle to Vancouver. R rains in blood. <laughs> you, you already know it's fucking wet. Solid point. The, so he stayed with us for a couple days. Um you know went on some bike rides with mark and i had a bunch of good conversations i took him through what we thought was like some structural strength stuff in the gym that would apply to help him you know fill in some gaps and which is really strange because at the same time you started asking questions yeah and how i feel right now in this moment after hearing all the shit you put mark through is that this is actually just payback for him introducing you to Rob McDonald. <laughs> and, and my one-on-one, -on -one, one-week seminar. Wait, wait. So, Michael, what you're saying is I've still got years of debt to pay. <laughs> yes. It sounds like it. Fuck. <laughs> it's just a hypothetical. I'm throwing it out there. It's a theory. It's running. I'm we'll building, I'm building, I'm gathering evidence I'll just, as I'll we speak. I'll just remember that every time that I'm... 
tell me I'm number one. Uh, that you're so off, so far up the road that that you can't even see my middle finger. <laughs> so, so you started to apply because this is this is actually a, a a nice point is that when people figure out that we what we do with strength and gym and bicycling and what isn't what it seems, you became interested after you kind of were positive that you wouldn't get too big because you have that genetic disposition to pack on massive amounts of meat. I think exactly. Keegan's still laughing. I I knew there was a set rep protocol band word band word. Mm hmm. That could, where be, I wouldn't, that could where, be evolved, where, band word, where into application I, I, of... I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, turn into the the size of, of Keegan. In case anybody's wondering about Joe's stature, <laughs> for the last 90 minutes or so, I've been staring at Joe's feet, and I'm <laughs> fairly certain my hands are bigger than his feet. <laughs> it's actually amazing I don't blow over yeah. in a stiff wind. It is amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure your forearms are bigger than his calves. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Dude, your your knee to foot is like my elbow to hand. I think what we should do is actually make a project out of this. It's Project Hulk Holmes, <laughs> and we just try to get Joe as big as possible. Awesome. Dude, dude, I'll be back I, picking up a sprinter van. What do you weigh? Right, what do you I weigh think, right now? Yeah, Joe. What do you weigh? Uh, like one forty. He's 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 three pounds heavy, right? Now. So I think we'll it, see who if or, you can, we'll see between the two of us who can get to two hundred faster. <laughs> That would be a fair race, and you know it. <laughs> Actually, 60 pounds up, 60 pounds down. I don't know which is harder. I'm pretty sure Keegan will never see 200. Yeah, probably not. But I'm absolutely certain that Joe will never see 200 see either. See 160. <laughs> Even with I mean, enough one-man parties. I think if we... That'd be a bad 160. That's a 160 I don't want to see. <laughs> Me neither. I think yeah. if we injected you with some sort of... All of magic pill, accelerating anabolic agent, and we we could inject him with everything known to put mass on. And and Aaron started cooking like crazy for you, and you started hitting hard bench press sessions and squat sessions with Keegan. By next year, this time we could probably get you about one (laughs) forty-seven. If everything goes as planned. All as the as anabolics in the world, the, the program, dude. And then we have a fucking men's fitness article just ready to go. Go from skinny twat <laughs> to fucking rippled man in from, twelve months. From, <laughs> from zero to hero. <laughs> from zero to hero. Buy my ebook. <laughs> Tells yeah, all the details are in there. That's on Calorie page counts. One. Yeah. The rep set structure, <laughs> all the fucking graphs from the little sleep thing on the phone that was on his pillow. <laughs> just like, just map that shit. Just, just try and mimic those graphs. All the heart rate variability results. That's like pages, you know, four hundred to five hundred. I don't know. There's a hundred pages of that shit. Four on each page. Um, and if you can just mimic that, you'll just you'll be one forty seven too before you know it. So, <laughs> I, I'm torn between the or you'll slash your wrist in a the Holmes protocol or the Joe Love protocol. <laughs> I like Joe Love. Yeah, Holmes implies making something else larger. <laughs> or actually, you wouldn't need to because it's already. I mean, I don't know if you've, you guys ever seen it. Well, no, but I hear it hit his top tube all the time when he goes uphill. <laughs> 
So what, once I thought it was the top two. It was, <laughs> it was fucking crazy. She's <laughs> just so, like, man, that thing's well, it looks like a soft bean kind of ride. So, <laughs> and so, that's a fucking inside joke right there, Matthew. And an innuendo. <laughs> um, so we've established that Mark has taken a liking to bike racing. We've also established that, that he's mov- no longer doing so. That movies he's... have ruined your life <laughs> <laughs> and your one passion that was the equivalent to methadone. Um, what comes next, man? You're fucking. And, and honestly, from my perspective, I've kind of watched it as uh, an interesting um, part of your personality, which is um, this all or nothing kind of deal. And so. The Chicago thing happened. Fuck, we, I never thought about that before. And we did a couple races. And Oh, yeah. The first race, you're like, hey, there's this race coming up this weekend. We should do this. It's like a, it's like a crit. And yeah, the, the, the Masters, the 50-plus category, it's just, it's just like a mile, and it's for 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah, you should do it. And I'm like, we sign up. It turns out to be the fucking ACA National Championship. <laughs> I have a bad habit of doing that, just so we're clear. <laughs> I did one race last year. Because Zach was like, come on a pike ride with me. I'm going to ride down to this crit. You can just watch. I get down there. And he's like, oh, just sign up. And I was like, no, nah, man, I don't have a license. And the lady's like, you don't need a license. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I was like, what is it? And she's like, it's a Cat 3 State Championships. Awesome. I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> so I don't just do it to you. It wasn't to be mean. But- oh, no. I, it, I didn't think it was mean oh, at okay. all. I yeah. thought, I, and, you know, I was... <laughs> still remembering myself at my best sure at, where i was you know on a bike <laughs> nothing bad ever happens from that <laughs> <laughs> so i did the you know the 50 plus race and you know finished okay i think in the top 10 and then did i you i, I didn't talk you into you ended up trying the one two threes oh i'd i'd already i think i think oh you signed up and double dipped right away yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah, yeah i believe the way it went down <laughs> was Oh, the men's, the masters, fifty plus. You know, whatever race. You know, it couldn't have been fifty plus. It had to be like forty-five to whatever because mm-hmm. it's two thousand eleven. But um, so that masters race, I just thought, oh, it's only forty-five minutes, dude. I'm, I'm barely getting warmed up after forty-five minutes, so I'll just drop in the, uh, the the one two three race. I might add, we'd been riding around for about two hours to warm up. <laughs> yeah. Seems viable. So, so, but we had like three hours in between, and yeah. I was like, "Man, I can recover. We should just go get barbacoa or yeah. whatever Chipotle, which or whatever Next it to was." The Bed Bath and Beyond, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where I probably had a nap, um, and then went back to the race, and then uh, and and then the um, the the they one two three race was forty laps of this one mile course <laughs> that had like a little tiny hill in it every lap. It so, I lasted precisely thirty one laps. It was so fucking bad. It was. It was fucking hard. <laughs> but I remember, so I did the, the threes and, and placed okay. I think it was a top 15 or something. Got all confident and shit. Yeah, and I was like, cool, I can do the one, two, three. And I did the one, two, three. And although I lost horribly, I did finish with the group. Nice. And I remember finishing almost in a puddle of nothing. And I was finally like, you know what, though? Like, that was probably the best race I've had. Like, it, I was like, I, I know how to, like, hang out in a group of fast people and i actually and, and I, sh- I actually i did not dnf yeah i got pulled yes yeah yeah because <laughs> after i got spit and i was like still pedaling and they're just like 
yeah, there's like 80 dudes coming up from behind. You need to get the fuck off the course. <laughs> I think they said it a little bit nicer than that. But I don't want to ask an insensitive question, but what's the difference? <laughs> between dnf and getting pulled yeah someone is forcing you to quit the other one you're voluntarily quitting yeah yeah if i dnf that's just that's me that's me pulling over and waiting for the broom wagon but i was still, i was keegan i was still ready to try <laughs> i had like nine more miles to go is all i had pulled the emergency chute but i was still <laughs> so i was no. waving the white flag but i was still going forward yeah exactly and and i didn't know that um, when, when you wave the white flag, you're supposed to like shelter in place. I didn't know that. <laughs> so besides these small races that I feel like I pressured you into, um, there, there was another, cause by the time we got to Vancouver, there was just a lot of ride, solo riding, yeah. long rides just for like mental processes. Um, and actually in Vancouver, I, it was, it was kind of, I, I was still so into riding at that point that despite the rain and the snow, I had a bike that had fenders on it because our friend Sean Palmer set me up with a really cool bike when we were in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would ride what it was like 10 or 11 kilometers to the studio from mm-hmm. where we were staying. And so when I would go out to train Chuck, I'd like ride out there at like five o'clock in the morning, no traffic, fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the infrastructure for riding in Vancouver is set up quite nicely yeah. with, you know, you know, bike specific, not specific, but you know, bike friendly roads that parallel the main roads and the main arteries and, and, you know, crosswalk buttons that actually work that you can reach from your bike, shit like that. I mean, it was it that, uh, the riding there, despite the rain and the wetness and everything. And you know, rode out to Squamish or, uh, almost got to Whistler one day, I think. Yeah. And then rode wow. on the North shore a bunch and, um, yeah, we I were mean, we were only three miles out from Whistler. Nice. Yeah, no, when we good. finally pulled pulled the pulled the pin and had to get back. Um, and then there was, and because the I want to say the the film studio was in Burnaby. Burnaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like ride from downtown out there and then get across the bridge to the north side, mm-hmm. ride back on the north side, and then come uh, come back through. And then we moved to the tank, which was a little bit closer in, but I could ride like I could ride dirt. I was kind of a grody already, I guess, um, uh, through Stanley Park and stuff mm-hmm. to and then get across the bridge and then get there. And it, it was just, uh, yeah, it was I was still really into it. It was wet riding. I don't know anything about that. No, of course not. Yeah. The, uh, so I saw, the, I saw the buddy flap on your rear fender. <laughs> Got to have a buddy flap. Man. <laughs> what, I, what I saw from, and then also other jobs that popped up sequentially, um, I noticed from your personality that unless you could prepare perfectly something, plan, and then make an, like, a, a jab at what you think that you can do, you don't want anything to do with the competition side of it. It's almost like a, I'm in a maintenance side just for my brain. Um, but I won't raise. But yeah, like, and, and it could be a utility thing. Like, I just don't want to know how bad this is going to hurt until I can prepare to hurt for it. And that enough time crossed that I kind of had a feeling that it, yeah, there was no way, especially with the schedule. Like there was no way you were going to compete for quite a while. Cause I think we were four or five years in. You did like a mountain bike thing in Detroit, right? Like yes. a 20, yeah. 12 hours? Six hours. Later. Six hours. So, that, that, that was later. It took, it took a while to fall off. No, actually I was still, uh, so t- 2011 we rode a lot. 2012, um, I was in Paris for two and a half months and uh, I rode a fuck ton. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't even bother renting a car on that job. I just rode everywhere. 
I'd go out to the Hippodrome, mm-hmm. get on the Wednesday night worlds or Tuesday night or whatever mm-hmm. fucking night it was. And then, um, ride out past Versailles to the, to the, to the, uh, Chevreuse, I think area where, you know, you go by these like monuments to dudes that used to the Ancatil monument, I think is out there anyway that, and those, you know, the, anybody who rides in Paris, you know, sort of as a roadie, you know, spend some time out there. That was fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. We still rode when we were in Bulgaria for four months. Quite a bit, yeah, yeah. We flew to Italy for a fucking glorious weekend of pain and punishment on that job. <laughs> Shivering came, and steaming espresso. Came passed down. The yeah. Sean King, right? And the fucking Sean. Fucking just wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> it's his best trait and it his worst, worst trait. trait. <laughs> it's so cool when you want to listen. And it's so and, bad when he asks you a question and you're dying. And like, yeah, if I'm, we're going up, up the 34 switchbacks of the Paso Pordoi, and I'm just like, I don't know, yeah, dying. He's talking to me the whole way up. I'm like, man, I, I really like you. Ah, fuck it, just keep talking. I'll just it it and it yeah that that so that weekend was fantastic. And we had another month in Bulgaria. We kept riding. Uh, I ended up riding that winter. Yeah, after getting whatever poisoned in Bulgaria, mm-hmm. I couldn't ride in. I couldn't go out in the sun, per doctor's orders for a while. So I was riding a lot at night when we got back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that situation, my liver healed, and that situation resolved, and I could start uh, um, going out in the sun again. So then 2013 rolls around, um, riding still a lot here. I go away to back to England on the Man from Uncle job. Rode you know, between three and five days a week there. We went on location to Naples for three weeks or to Italy for three weeks. The first sort of 10 days in Naples, um, Andy via Sean, Andy Hampson sent me up with a friend of his that was down there. And he showed me all over the cool rides when we were in Naples. Then we went to Rome. I was kind of on my own that place, but it's like the most serious urban combat riding Mm. that I've ever done. Cause it's like 20 miles to get out of town, which is no problem. Then you go like 20 miles to get out to the countryside, do a 40 to 60 mile ride in the country. And then you still have 20 miles of urban combat riding when you're completely fucked <laughs> to get back to the hotel safely. Um, still fine experience. Just rode through 2013. Um, January of <clears throat> 2014, um, just day after fucking New Year's. I mean, January 2nd or 3rd, whatever, I flew to Tel Aviv for two mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, of course, I took a road bike. Yeah. Um, as I always do, built the bike, went out once, thought, holy shit, this is people do not give a fuck here. Talked to some local guys. They're like, oh, you'll get fucking killed here. Um, and every time I saw, whenever I saw a group ride on the weekend, they would have a blocking truck behind them to prevent people from coming up and just fucking laying waste to all of them. Uh, since I wasn't on that program, <laughs> um, somebody told me like, hey, the mountain biking in Israel is amazing. So for a variety of reasons that kept Michael in Detroit through the winter, um, I was held in Tel Aviv. So my two-week trip to Tel Aviv lasted three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't... supposed to be two weeks or three weeks? Yeah, it was supposed to be two, basically. Yeah. Uh, to, to, you know, go start the process, and then mm-hmm. we were all going to, like, convene. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was three, because I think in early February we were supposed to convene in yeah. Detroit. So might have been three, and I'm just embellishing but um <laughs> I, I i ended up being there for a lot longer realized okay i can't ride my road bike i'm gonna go fucking crazy um the gym we were working out of didn't really have 
enough of a, a lot of things for Didn't me. Didn't have a Peloton bike? There was no concept <laughs> to biker at that time? No. no even, even then, I wouldn't, it, it, it wasn't that. It was, it, was, um, it was space, it was equipment, it was... Um, uh, Atmosphere. Also, a, a, we're talking yeah. about this is not exercise. Like, it, yeah. Yeah, when I go... It isn't to, for the heart and lungs and to keep moving and get my, you know, my steps in or whatever the thing is. The, the, the reason why you kept riding is absolutely a necessity to... Sanity. Move, meditate kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't seem... It seems like, oh, you were in Tel Aviv for that long and it's beautiful and this and that. And I'm just like, wait. The way that I, we, we always would set these jobs up is like, okay, give us the raw material, give us the deadline, leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Which generally works really well, you know. When but um, you know, Michael was on his own was sort of the same thing. But I would argue that maybe the conditions in Detroit were a little bit better um, mentally or whatever. But I just felt like I was at the fucking edge of the world by myself with the hardest job I had ever confronted. And um, so I realized, okay, the road bike thing isn't my isn't going to be my solace unless you know I'm looking for the dirt nap. Um, and, uh, I accidentally, I was trying to find the biggest bike store in town. I took a wrong turn. I ended up at the smallest bike shop <laughs> in town, which happened to be the Yeti dealership for Israel. Um, or one of them actually, actually, I think the, the, the d- distributor was, I actually met him the day that I went there. He's up in Haifa. Um, and so I rolled in there and I, so we started talking and these bikes were fucking beautiful. And so I had, of course, um, since Vince, who I, you know, done some climbing with and I have an enormous amount of respect for Vince Anderson and he had started riding a mountain bike. And of course, because he wanted it to be harder, he rode a single speed. <laughs> and so I'm going to be like Vince. So my first mountain bike ever, and I was not into mountain biking before this most, mostly cause I consciously rejected it because many, many people said, Oh, you're into mountain climbing. You would love mountain biking. And because you weren't any good at hacky sack or devil sticks. I, you know, the devil sticks, I never tried, but. Well, you call them devil sticks. <laughs> no, that's what they're called. That's what they're I called. I know, but I've always <laughs> called them juggle sticks. <laughs> well, I always knew them as devil sticks. Because later we called them juggalo sticks. sticks of course, that's yeah. a natural progression, obviously. But um, so I, I just, you know, if Vince is doing this and it's hard, it must be the right way. So I, so I told him, hey, build me. <laughs> so I ended up with a fucking big top so the clown bike which is a single speed 29er <laughs> as as my entry into mountain biking and now i'm going to go out into this some fairly technical and rocky terrain um because i found out where some of the rides were they told me and to teach myself how to mountain bike and i i there, there was a point um that I had hit the ground so many fucking times <laughs> that my, um, and, and because it's rough and that sort of thing. And I was obviously not into just like lightly touching the handlebars cause I was scared out of my fucking mind most of the time. Um, so I, in, I, I would have to go to the restaurant where I ate most nights across from my hotel. Um, and so I, I was super into lamb meatballs because I couldn't cut my meat. <laughs> Because my hands were numb. Like I couldn't close. I could not. My fingers, like there was some neurological damage in the wrist or something that kept me from making a fist. So you couldn't do anything with any kind of meat. No. No no meat. No hard meat was being addressed. Exactly. It was only soft meat could, you know, and you could just aim and that was about it. Um, 
But so my, my hands were numb, and I'm just like, fuck, I really like this, but what if I have a, some physiological defect that keeps me from doing what I want? And, uh, and then I think I got some gloves that had the, like gel pads, and I had a conversation with a guy, and I can't remember his name. The guy, the guy at the bike shop was so fucking cool for, to me. Um, and he, so he gave me a lot of advice in this and that about not holding the handlebars too tight. And uh, eventually the numbness kind of went away, and, and by the time that three months um, that three and a half month period in, in uh, uh, Israel was over. Next stop was uh, Detroit. We ended up renting and I had already actually, so I had the single speed I brought back with me, but I had already um, had a uh, hardtail built. Hmm. Um, I think I'd, I don't know exactly how that happened, but I, but can, my, my local shop here in Salt Lake Contender, the uh, Ryan built me up a, um, a really nice lightweight hardtail um, and shipped it to Detroit. Mm-hmm. So it was there. And then uh, we rented apartments not close to where we worked because the apartments were close to the mountain bike, or at least that was important for me, close to uh, Bloomer and I Stoney. believe I, I moved out there because they had a coffee shop. Oh, I mean, that was the big draw. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities, man. Yeah, it was the only proper coffee place, like, in the area. And I like, you have to be away. You have to have trails. Oh, no, there was another coffee shop, that one. The Jewish one. Where we had, like, the coffee theater experience, and I was just like, these people are pretentious as fuck. (laughs) They won't allow you. Yeah, that one was good. It was good coffee, but I also didn't want to live in that area because it was pretty shitty. Yeah. Um the the mountain biking thing and you you brought your yeti and i tried it a couple of times i believe there's a picture and i look like an ape on a tr- unicycle the gorilla, gorilla, gorilla yeah yeah the manila gorilla i it got it was interesting because you'd already started well, this technical that thing. would be super fucking cool if you were the manila gorilla because <laughs> that would imply like you got tan or something i don't know but, but you just i yeah magilla Magilla Gorilla. Are you just too young to like get the cartoon reference? Yeah, I don't get that. I knew what it was. Oh, sorry, motherfucker! But I've probably been called it a lot in my life too. So anytime you were ever seen on a bike, you were probably that that gorilla. But anyway, but the but the bike thing was like always. Even in that time, sans racing, whatever, it was an important piece of uh, disassociation Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, okay, I have this job. I have these people. I have, I'm compelled to be social. I'm compelled to comport myself in a certain way. Mm-hmm. No matter how we set stuff up, there are time. There's a, I need to, like, go away at times. And the bike can take me further away than anything else, at least for so me. I went on exactly two road bike biking trips in Detroit, and they were both unbearable. And then I tried the mountain biking thing, and I, that was unbearable. And so I found CrossFit. <laughs> interesting progression yeah well what did you call you called it methadone yeah this is like i don't know chinese made oxy <laughs> you weren't really sure what you were gonna get but, yeah, yeah. but, it, got not, not, but it got me high it yet. was short and punchy yeah i'm not exactly downing listerine but we're close Go ahead. Keep, sorry, I, didn't mean to cut you. I was gonna say i talked to sean a lot this past weekend and then a lot of people were coming up to me and I'm not trying to compare 
riding a concept two bike for an hour to what you were doing <laughs> like as a sport by any means, but for a, a mental standpoint, like the biggest thing with people like, why do you do it that I could come up with was it was cathartic and I could kind of just like let my thoughts just kind of flow as they needed and work through them for an hour and nobody was going to bother me. Nobody was going to do anything with me. So I pretty much told Sean that the bike for an hour was my gratitude journaling. <laughs> oh my God. So I was wondering if you felt the same way. Um, I'm, you know, let, let me just, I believe it has to do, even if we were, uh, even for participating in the, you know, in, in the same broad modal type of activity, you know, from the, from that sense. We both have pedals. The, the time domain is very different. I guarantee True. that at four hours into that, you'll be less grateful. <laughs> Especially if you've got two right. hours to go. But I mean, just on a daily, you're going to go for a ride. It sounds like that was kind of part of the reason why you stayed on a bike was to get away from people maybe get into your own head uh, that's an accurate time actually because i think it four hours and 30 minutes i specifically <laughs> said out loud i hope mark breaks his goddamn hip <laughs> <laughs> i hope he trips and sh skins his fucking knee that asshole he brought me out here gratitude went out I, the fucking door for sure <laughs> the gratitude part was a joke yeah I, I obviously it. oh what? No, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just uh, glad that you and Sean not to be, have so much in common. He's to, my favorite person on the planet right now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's I, because you haven't gone on a fucking bike ride with him. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. That's the secret. Yeah. Sean will remain the best of your peers as long as you don't fucking ride a bike with him. And then he'll just make you feel, um, well, uh, not all of us, obviously, Joe. You can hang, except for... Except for you wouldn't. Let's be clear. I mean, in a race, you, could, you go for a ride with Sean, it might last 12 hours. I'm guessing you're not going to be... Uh... No, no, no. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the French <laughs> translation to that is, no, no. <laughs> in no. case anybody's wondering, Joe's the work smarter, not harder kind of guy. Uh, to be clear... I, th I think that is just, actually fair. To, to be fair to Sean... Um, in some bike races, I have dished out some pain for him. This is probably payback now that I'm a bigger fellow. Crosswinds? So, Crosswinds, headwind, yeah, anything flat and, you know. That requires a big gear. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there was a moment when we were on that, uh, the, the end of day one in, in Italy, mm. where after he had torn us apart and then we took him for Cokes and pastries, uh, we still had like quite a ways to go. And I was kind of mad for not being as fit and capable as he was going uphill and there was a section of the flats and maybe like one or two percent downhill maybe maybe a little bit windy and i can't roll as big a gear as michael but we just decided i think it was me i i'm not going to put any more any responsibility on michael was, for this i said was there a little bit of fuck your buddy going on oh was yeah a, there was, was a telepathic a, communication <laughs> that was just like we're doing that we're doing this we're doing this it was a <laughs> it was a lot of fuck your buddy that's a beautiful thing about bike riding is the fuck your buddy part and and, and getting fucked by your buddies <laughs> so to speak so Th this is th a year ago after, you know, w watching this story unfold from various angles. and Well, I hated a year ago. I hated the bike. 
Oh, for sure. And, and, I, and I, you, I, I and totally I learned to hate it. And I didn't know why until you actually and... explained a little bit, which I didn't hear until like maybe two weeks before. And you're like, oh, I have to go in for hip surgery. And I was like, oh, what kind? I need a total hip replacement. Fuck, that would, you would be the only person that keeps that quiet until the day before surgery <laughs> to people. That... Well, I, and I only told you then because I didn't know if Selena could pick me up from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> she had work and shit, you know. And and then things started to kind of make sense. Like, oh, okay, that that. And we'd had a couple. Hurts. We'd had yeah. a couple training camps before. Before the hip thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but coming in, but, like, no, but not like training right. camp. This right. is more like therapy camp. I I would come into town <laughs> and and make him ride his bike. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, would be an accurate statement. Yeah, because because I somehow what I realized with the so what I realized in 2014 when we were in Detroit, I did uh, I, I got I was fit enough. I did one race on the single speed. Mm-hmm. Realized what a fucking stupid way to ride a bike that was, um, and not that you know. To, I mean, Vince has won the the Breck Epic. I don't know. It's a six-day stage race in Breckenridge, Colorado. I think he's won it three or four times now in, a sing- in the single-speed category. This guy's a total stud. He loves the single-speed. There are people who love the single-speed. I just realized in the type of racing that I was doing that, yeah, I'm charging. We're, we've, we're going fast enough. We catch the group in front. We catch the group in front of us. Who do you catch in the group that started three minutes ahead of you? The fucking slow guys. So you roll into a climb on a single-speed bike, which m- requires... It you know a certain level of speed is mandatory mm-hmm. to carry this momentum into this hill. You'll never fucking get up it with the one gear that you have, and then some guy just fucking goes like he hits the hill, goes all the way across the cassette, goes from you know fourteen to like <laughs> forty four four miles an hour. All of a sudden, you're just like, oh, now I have to get off my bike because I can't pass him because it's fucking single track. Now I have to run with my bike. Mm. Which is also a really ridiculous stupid, thing. It's totally thing. fucking stupid. There's even a so sport, sport that like compels you to do so. And, Dumbest and, thing ever. <laughs> Tim, I apologize right now for this, but a couple beers deep, and I'm gonna. <clears throat> anyway, love love watching cyclocross. Ain't gonna do it. My taint is just just can't take the the remount. Uh, anyway, put a seat back on. <laughs> you, mean, you mean your bars? <laughs> my bars. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was resting my bars at some point on the ride today. I was like, I need to stand a little bit, rest the bars. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I, so so after that first race in the single speed, I real, I, uh, I, I recognized that okay, this is not, uh, this is not smart. So I had my friend Ed Pope, who was sort of mentoring me um, on the mountain bike, I told him afterwards, yeah, this 45-minute race, and this is what went down, and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and, and I said, there's some other races coming up. Um, there's other one that looks like it's going to take, uh, you know, like an hour and a half. I'm pretty sure I have enough fitness to do that. But then there's this other one that's a six-hour race. As, lo- as, you know, as much distance as you cover in six hours. Ed may have been paying me back. I'm not totally sure. But uh, because he had been a, uh, a client of mine, um, who done, uh, climbed with him all over the world, the, 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 the Alps, the Himalayas, Bolivia. And uh, I, I got him to um, confront and overcome a, <clears throat> uh, a, a lot of limitations. And I believe he was uh, just, just paying me back, sharing, whatever. Um, so <laughs> he, he was said, paying you forward. I, potentially <laughs> he was paying it forward. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway, so he said, you're not going to learn anything from a 90-minute race. 
you got to do the six hour. I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the second mountain bike race I did was a six hour race. Oh God, it was great. <laughs> I did. I just showed up to support and I knew the lap about the time you'd be on a lap and I'd be there waiting for you to come through and grab whatever you needed. And just every time to watch the facial expression change lap by lap was fucking epic. So it was uh, 10, each lap was 10 miles um, with about 900 feet of climbing. And in, uh, and if, and if you came through it, you know, if you got through the start finish line, on you know close to the time limit like if you if you if you could make it in five hours 30 if you could make it through the start finish one last time no matter how long that last lap took you you could still go and uh let you let you your <laughs> how nice of them your prize for being so fast was to go out for another lap consciously unconsciously i don't know what happened but <laughs> you know i missed uh, just, like by 15 seconds i missed um I, I missed the opportunity but i already lapped the field so it didn't matter you have one opportunity if you go through in time You're like, i quit oh right <laughs> <laughs> which actually you could do this so you go go out for another lap i'm like i already got this thing in the bag yeah so why would i it's a but good point. I, I but i i uh prevented myself from having to make that decision because honestly if i'd gone through in like five twenty nine thirty, it would have been hard not to go out for another lap true i so what i think after the surgery and you got your hip replaced which we've talked about extensively with brian harder among other people um episode 24 maybe something i yeah i don't count <laughs> that what i there's still something missing on that like there's rebuilding obviously use the bike to get back and be more mobile and a test to pain tolerance from injury which is a totally different thing from pain tolerance of what what did uh what did nate pack call it i really like that he called it uh exercise tolerance yeah there's exercise tolerance and then there's like suffering which is actual pain i would i would put uh injury in that category um and then, lo and behold, I find that you're looking for some sort of race to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so so what is the so, what is the point? At the, like, you've used the bike as a psychological vehicle this entire time to kind of keep sanity in check. Obviously, to have some experience with some friends, um, to get some physical exercise or exorcism, however you want to put that. And then there's this draw after a traumatic, um, you know, invasive surgery to... I heard there were hammers involved, but... <laughs> probably. There's probably a chainsaw involved. <laughs> Fucking if you see what they have to do. Uh, th th there's this, I, I don't know, like internal inspiration to, to line up against other people. And, and does that have something to do with the fact that you feel semi-mutilated or not yourself or uh there's something to prove there that's going on um let's see i was tired of being a lazy piece of shit that's fair what, <laughs> <laughs> which for for whatever reason, I mean the the the, the fourteen months in England, 
put a dent in my interest in riding my road bike um, mm-hmm. because of the volume. Like I, my brain and maybe it's a little bit the hip, but um, I mean, I would it, it pay for every hard effort. So the, the, the hard efforts got, you know, uh, a lot more time in between them and then I would forget and then I would go out. And, but it just ended up being, you know, and, and then ride my mountain bike there. I just, you know, had a couple of really nice visits with um, Greg May um, and Nick Keegan came over from Ireland for one of those. I mean, it was um, where I went up north and actually rode actual sort of wild kind of mountain bike terrain. Those two trips were fantastic, but riding in the sort of organized, you know, uh, mountain bike park mm-hmm. wasn't nearly as, it's just not that's it's like a fine stopgap. You're, doing, that you're doing circles. Yeah, you're kind of doing, yeah. And um, so, you know, my interest in that kind of dwindled. I went out for one ride on the road with Martin Atkinson, this guy I know from climbing. Um, he lives up in Sheffield, and he's super into riding. And Tim, I think Tim's last name is Russin. Um, and that guy was fucking stud. So I went on one long ride with them, and I just, I just, all I remember, and it was super cool to see Martin. We'd go out, and then obviously they're going to destroy the guy, um, the guest, you know, on home roads, because that's what you do. Uh, there was one point this last climb that Martin and I are going up. I think Tim had already broken off to do more mileage or some crazy thing probably. Um, but we were going back over this thing and, and, uh, Martin goes, okay, this climb is this long and it's about this steep. And he looks at me, he goes, what kind of gear? He goes, oh yeah, 3426 or 3425. I was probably riding. Um, he goes, yeah, you might be able to stay on top of it. I was just like, oh fuck. How far the mighty have fallen so to speak and and it kind of went down like um the, the next year i was riding my mountain bike i mean it was in new mexico uh with Celine. we would go out and she and i could ride for an hour together i might add on a half hour or i might do a little bit more but nothing long and it just didn't have the thing um finally realized that uh got an mri realized the problem with my hip was not soft tissue that it was an actual been bone on bone for a long time um as evidenced by the destruction of the femur head and uh, decided to, to have the, the surgery. Joe came down, made me ride a little bit beforehand. Michael, you tried to get me to like do a little strength training beforehand to speed recovery. That didn't take. I didn't listen. Um, anyways, I hinted so, at the utility of it and pointed at a rubber band or something, and then <laughs> we went back into the office and bullshit about other stuff. That's yeah, about exactly. how well that went. Yeah, something like that. Or, I think or maybe, I mentioned occlusion training at some point. I, I, you know, and you pointed at a mace or something, and I said, that's just fucking bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, and you were right. <laughs> Again. And 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 uh, so I um, but I had the thing done. I you know spent a it was January four third I guess. Yeah. Uh, Kingry came to town February fifth. Um, I was still I think I was still uh, on crutches, but I figured I could pedal, um, which I did, and then realized that that was a bit too much too soon as my doctor had predicted um and uh um then waited a bunch of time but the more i waited and the more i got into the injury like the more it became a thing the more that i'm an old guy with a hip replacement thing the more then the harder it was to get back to doing anything like i see how people fucking settle like oh Here's my, 
you know, some people turn 30 and fucking throw in the towel. But man, now you're, now I'm 56. I've got, you know, I've just been violated with a fucking chainsaw and a hammer. <laughs> um, whatever. And I didn't even get to listen to some cool black metal band. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what they were playing. Actually, I think, yeah, the, the soundtrack right before they knocked me out that was going on in the OR was not great. I Man, if like, it was Demu Borger, though, you'd just be like, uh, "This guy's going to massacre like, me." Hey, quit! Hey, knock him out a little further. Quit moving his fucking head. He's like <laughs> trying to swing that long hair around. Um, but the, but the more that I that I developed a relationship with the fact that I had this metal in me, the fact that I had you know been violated in this way or whatever, and you know Joe's had way worse because I chose that. And when you know the two sort of big accidents in recent times that Joe had had on the bike. It's not like a choice. Like, like you fucking, you know, wake up in the hospital with, yeah. And um, they tell you what and, you got. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so the more that I got into it, the less, the, the more of an, ex, like a, a way out or whatever it felt like, mm-hmm. like, and the less I believed in the integrity of my body. And so then I couldn't trust it. And so then I, um, uh, just um it so it was it was hard to start writing again and slowly i did for whatever reason whether it's an identity thing or self-image thing a you know shamed my mind peers thing it doesn't matter but i slowly started writing a little bit a little bit a little bit then um i don't even know how that fucking training camp thing happened because i hadn't because I didn't invite you, Joe. <laughs> you just showed I just up. told him it was happening. Yeah, and and you know, so I'd progress. I'd get on the bike, and I could go. You know, and and I think I've talked about this before, but it's just like in the beginning when I decided to go for a bike ride, this, the hardest thing was to put my shoes on. And then the next time that I went for the ride, the hardest thing was like ten minutes after I actually started pedaling, and then it was twenty minutes after I started pedaling, and then. At some point, I remember Michael and I, I was like, I was ready to go out and try and ride for two hours. It seemed so fucking daunting. Mm-hmm. And then we ran into Jamie out on the road. Yeah. and we had He was going for four, and I was like, how? Like, how was that fucking pot? Like, a, something that would have been such a normal Saturday with the guys running out Saturday kind of eat. It just seems impossible. Like, it seems so utterly, I'm never going to do that again. Which makes it easy to never do that again. Yeah, as soon as you decide, and 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 that I think maybe he had raced the day before, and he was mm-hmm. just out for like a yeah, I'm just out for a casual four hour kind of you know spin. Uh, and he, and and that and that you know used to be normal, and it was like so daunting at the time. And we barely you know we got over the two hour mark or whatever, which was the target. And I was fucked for a few days, and then I was questioning myself again, like fuck, it's all it's gone. I'm done, but it's okay that I'm done because I'm old. And I'm old and I've been injured and I've already done some cool shit. So what? The, what do I need to prove? And yeah. I'm going to move on and, and and like do get, some other shit and get that Stoli sponsorship going. Yeah, like really, really commit to that. You know, I don't know. A case a week would be a pretty good place to start. Anyway, um, I I realized that that it at some point that I needed to do the thing that I had done to myself in the past to overcome a psychological block, which was to 
and you know at that time it would might it would have been climbing it would have been something in the mountains to go beyond the point of no return and try and get back which cue rebecca's private idaho stage race no no that still was not even in my head um selena goes down to to moab uh to to work and if she if she has an overnight she's got two days of work then i would generally go down with her and ride my bike and and uh earlier in the year i can't i don't remember i should remember the date because it was an absolute epiphany uh, I went to the bike shop. I told the guy, I said, hey, I'd like to do like a mixed pavement kind of dirt road ride something. What kind of bike do you have? Uh, I got a gravel bike. I didn't know what that meant yet because as we spoke during the seminar, what you say and what people hear are not the same thing. If we misuse language, we will be misunderstood. So he thought that I have what I ride now, which is a bike with uh, 650B 2.1 tires on it, disc brakes, a particular body position on that bike, et cetera, which would allow you access to certain terrain and make it you know, relatively comfortable and certainly possible to ride. What I actually had was my road bike with 28C tires on it. So they're a little bit wider than your standard thing that would go on the pavement. They should go okay in the, in the, you know, in the dirt caliper brakes um and because i wasn't really riding very long at that time i had one water bottle cage on the bike <laughs> and it's moab and it's fucking you know may or, or you know late may early june so one might think might need more water so he told me hey you should go do this jug handle arch loop or whatever it is and it's about this long and this is where you park and it, and i said how long is it going to take and he said oh, about four hours and so i looked at him and uh, he's carrying a little extra weight. And so I thought, okay, that means three. So that means... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hubris was fucking instantaneous. Um, but I was just trying to trick myself into doing it. So I thought, okay, one 24-ounce water bottle and like four gels will be fine. Because it's only going to take three hours and probably I'll do it faster. Because a really bad ratio of liquid to gel. <laughs> just... <laughs> so the, everything was wrong. At least I put just on... Just At least I had, you know the foresight to put sunscreen on because <laughs> I was out there for a long fucking time. Um, so I parked, drove out uh, potash, parked my car at the base of Long Canyon, which was the, the, the descent uh, at the end of this loop and um, rode whatever it is, two and a half, three miles of pavement and um, got on the, got on the dirt and realized and remembered something I'd read somewhere. And well, I knew from mountain biking, if I had you know, slightly lower tire pressure, that you know, I'd have you know, already. My tires aren't going to stick to the dirt very well because it's inappropriate for the for the terrain. So I decided to I'd, I'd drop a little air pressure out of my tires. So I dropped the air pressure a little bit. Felt great. Flatted within one mile on the dirt. Could have been a sign. Could have done it. But I got one. I have. I had two CO two cartridges and one tube and a patch kit. What could go wrong? So I put the tube in, reinflated. Decided to keep going. If I flat again. Ah, there's going to be, I'll see some people or I can patch it or whatever. And um, at, at every moment when I was doubting whether I should keep going, something happened to make me keep going. And by the time I got to the, um, the climb up, I think it's out of Schaefer. It's, maybe it's called Schaefer Hill or maybe you're climbing out of Schaefer Canyon. I don't know. You're pretty deep at that point. I was pretty deep at that point and realized like, okay, well, I'm out of water. Oh, no. Because I always save, 
a tiny bit for the last, as soon as I'm out of gels, then I can be out of water. Right. But I can't have a gel with no water. So if I had, I probably, I think I had one gel left, therefore I had like a couple of swallows of water to get it down. Um, and I got to the bottom of that climb and I looked up and it looked like it was fucking Mount Everest. And I realized like, fuck, it's going to be harder to go, but this is exactly what I wanted. It's going to be worse. Well, I know what I've just, the terrain I've just covered and how bad that will be. I don't know what's in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be just as bad either way. Therefore I should go forward. And, uh, I somehow got up that fucking climb then got on the paved road, which would take me to Long Canyon, which is just a descent. It's down long, it's Long Canyon. I've like driven up it. So how bad could it be? You know, cause you can, you, you kind of need a four wheel drive vehicle, but I've heard about two wheel, two wheel drive vehicles getting up there with a skilled driver. So fuck that descent will be totally fine. I get on the pavement to, to get back to the top of that thing. And there's kind of windy and I'm, and there's, I mean, there's no fucking water. There's no, there's not a, you know, there's not a Seven Eleven. there's nothing out there. And uh, I, I turned down where I think the way to Long Canyon is. I'm pretty sure that it's off, you know, it's a cut off the Dead Horse Point Road and this and that. I, you know, there's no service, whatever. I couldn't look it up. Um, so I'm riding along and there's some dude parked by the side of the road. The pickup truck looks kind of like a hippie. So I'm pretty sure he's into riding a mountain bike. And uh, I pull over and I'm, you know, I'm not going to ask for water or food because I made my fucking bed. But I just wanted to know, I didn't want to make one more wrong turn because I'd be fucked. So I pulled over and I guy said, is this the road to Long Canyon? He goes, I don't know what, what it, I, I just drove up some dirt road. I, I, I don't know what it was called. I'm like, oh, you motherfucker, you are useless to me right now. So I asked him a little bit. I remembered like, okay, did you ride, did you drive under like a big leaning rock over the road? And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh fuck, thank God. That's it for sure. So I ride out that dirt road. I start going down the canyon and realize I'm going to fucking die. It's so fucking steep. And caliper brakes, you know, uh. you're like, there's like, I'm going to be riding the brakes the entire way down this thing. I don't remember. Is it four miles? Is it six miles? Whatever. Um, it's all downhill for sure, but I'm going to be on the brakes the entire time. The, the risk of heating up the rims and blowing the tire is like, I don't know. Pretty high. Pretty high. Let's just say it's kind of high. It's kind of high. So I start going down, and I'm kind of out of my head because I'm pretty dehydrated and, like, tired and shit right at, at that point. And uh, every, you know, certain distance when, like, I, like, you can't tell. You can't touch the rim and go, oh, time to stop and let the rim school down. You just, like, have a sense, like, okay, I'm starting to lose my fire. Front brake. So, Back break. Front brake. Back brake. Not too much front brake because exactly. it's go fucking into. dirt right. and soft. So, like, somehow I get to, I'm, like, riding down, and there's some people riding up on mountain bikes, and some guy I keep, looks at me and goes, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> like, totally inappropriate bike for the, you know. The, Little the, did he know he's just talking about your hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was still pretty short at that point. <laughs> okay. Um, it, anyway, so I get back to the car. There's, like, a gallon of, like, I don't know, 102-degree water in the fucking car. And... I drink that. I get back. I'm fucking late because I'm supposed to be at the hospital to meet Selena so I can take her to the hotel or whatever happened. I, it just, it, but that, I, I get there. I, I pick her up. We go to the 7-Eleven. I get a, 
fucking, I don't know, a six pack or a case of Coors Light. I can't remember exactly because, um, and hydration beer, Joe. That's what yeah, that yeah, is. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd already had enough. I'd already had enough hot water. I was not really yeah. into that anymore. And <laughs> recovery drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it spikes your blood sugar a lot more than yeah, uh, sure. a lot of those other, reco- other recovery drinks that they sell under like stupid brand names. Um, and you can get it at the fucking 7-Eleven. And the best bit about it, especially at this particular Maverick station, is that they have a walk-in place. Oh, so you get to cool down. So if it's 100 degrees outside, nice. man, I just can't decide what beer to buy. <laughs> so I am in the walk-in for a long fucking time. It's like being in a cryogenic chamber, it, right? It's uh, Or the, what's the freeze? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 They were wrong Only on their tagline, though. <laughs> it's yeah. so better. Yeah. They're wrong on their tagline. It's Adventure's last stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. <laughs> it was that. Day. Anyway, so we, I, I, I get some rehydration stuff, some calories, whatever. She and I start talking. And, and as I regained my mind, I realized, like, okay, that's exactly what I needed. That was go to the point of no return, go a little bit past it, keep going. And I, I came back and then I went to the bike shop the next day and uh, I said, dude, that was a super fucked up, <laughs> a super <laughs> fucked up ride. And so, and so then we you said, well, what kind of bike were you on? <laughs> well, no, I rode my bike over there the next day because I needed to have some maintenance on. I needed to get like a tube. <laughs> new brakes. New brakes. <laughs> new rims. <laughs> new fucking rims. And so I go in, and the guy, and, and uh, I said, man, that ride was fucking rough. And he goes, you didn't do it on that, did you? And I said, well, yeah. And everyone said, like, and then he's calling people from the shop over. Like, this motherfucker's crazy. So for the next, like, couple of weeks, I was that fucking lunatic who did that thing <laughs> on that bike. Then I find out that Tim Matthews works there. And uh, that, that was, like, two weeks later. Um and so now when I go down, I actually have a local guide that tells me what is appropriate equipment and what is not. Hey, um, hey man, take another water bottle. We're in the fucking desert. <laughs> I only got oh. one cage, dude. Yeah. So now I have like a vest that I could like freeze my camel. Like if I'm going out for three hours in the desert now, I've got like a little Solomon sort of running vest mm-hmm. that um, I freeze the camel back yeah. before I put it in. I freeze the two little gel flasks. So I got like cold on the chest. I got two bottles on the bike. Um, you know, I learned my fucking lesson, mm-hmm. but the main lesson was that I came back from that, realized that, oh, I didn't think about my hip the entire time. I didn't think about any physical defects that I had manufactured in my head. Like my body still works. My brain is still works. I'm still stubborn as fuck and kind of stupid. And so I should continue riding my bike because all those things make for a pretty good bike rider. I, I think the, the, maybe the hardest thing with learning to go long and is having it too easy. Like it's too easy to stop most times. Yeah. Like you put yourself in a circumstance where, you know, cause you, you know, I bring, Oh, I have a tube. So if I flat, I'm headed back immediately. Cause I don't want to, cause I don't have one. Yeah, yeah. So each, each little impasse usually equals a very smart and calculated decision, which is the opposite of what endurance should be teaching you and, yeah. and, and a lot of i mean a, a big part of why when joe wanted to kind of cover this whole story the reason i was actually you know 
saying, yeah, we'll do it is because a lot of what you're talking about, just we highlighted kind of in our seminar, obviously, is that this brain problem, like we tracked what a you know, injury is basically what started this bike thing. Injury uh, is. Restart. Or, or, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it actually, it did start it in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, I, I just finally saw the fucking parallel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, I still am stupid. <laughs> so, the, the thing is, like, you know, incapability, oh, my shoulder is done. I can't do what I want to do. What's this thing over here? Because I still want to do something. And then it, it illuminates this world in which you've met new people, you've had experiences, you've been able to keep a gun out of your mouth, at least for long periods of time. And you have then, people that sleep in your front room. Yeah, tracks hobos. And then it, it, <laughs> which, which actually it gets never to the happened point. before. Like, I always had a guest room and a lock on the basement door. <laughs> and then that gets taken from you. Yeah. I, and take like voluntarily. Okay. I need this thing. It's the smart thing to do. You did enough research on it and then it's gone. And then it's almost like a purgatory. And I get to see the purgatory every day. like staring across a desk. I get to see the frustration, the moving around on or granted half of that is we have a very shitty desk and you're in between well, sizes did. on the stool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. And somewhere between a small and a medium. My, I don't know. <laughs> my, be- my favorite is that, you know, he gets hip surgery, Full replacement comes in, you know, not even a, I don't know, what was it, what, a week? It wasn't even, it was like four days when he got stir crazy or something and I had to go pick you up and bring you to the office. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, okay, a comfortable chair. He grabs his stool and he's like, oh yeah, my hip just got ripped out of my body and they hammered a metal one in. So he puts a fucking towel on the metal stool and sits on that. <laughs> it looks like a sweatshirt or something. It's, it's uh, you know, Selena's is probably wondering where this this uh, you know cotton blanket <laughs> from Wake Forest went, <laughs> babe. It's in my. It, it was it was the padding on the stool after hip surgery. It's still in the it's, office. Don't it's worry. It's been under his ass for months. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to watch I've got to watch this whole thing and the characters involved and had a, a pretty good. Um, seat to it all and 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 you've always text me when you come back from moab and i don't have any interest in fucking going down there but but i've seen the the push in the the fire get started because yeah it was hard at first and right it doesn't seem like those road rides and this is a different subject but the road is not appealing to me anymore it just, like something about it seems different in the past five or six years it's not the same thing to me and maybe there were some similarity similarities there or maybe you needed something new like did you need like uh, uh, was it that the fact like oh um in, instead of there being uh just a bike and my shoulder's done um Maybe there's just like this tricky bike with gravel tires on it and it's this new endeavor and it takes me away from something that I can compare. Now it's this new thing. It's a new challenge. Um, I can put myself far enough out there in the world and I'm far away from civilization. So therefore it feels more wild. It feels natural. It feels like it's more of a test. And that's what, you know, when the, when the race came up or the idea of Rebecca's came up. Well, it's, it's, it's actually, um, I didn't really like mountain biking. Yeah, right. Well, duh, you don't have flannel shorts. I, I mean, we can, we can, uh, honestly, we, joke, we can, we, all the jokes that we make sure. about it or whatever, but, yeah. and, and, and 
I respect it because I've seen sure. guys who've done who do it really really well. I know, mm-hmm. um, and and I've done some of those races, and I I realize like okay, I don't I. It's just like Justin said about you know trying to learn film and a new aspect ratio and mm-hmm. to develop the negatives that about you know et cetera et cetera. You don't have time, mm-hmm. okay. And and plus there's a, there's something about roadie road cycling and road racing culture mm-hmm. that really appeals to me because mm-hmm. certainly at the highest levels of alpinism it was not welcoming, mm-hmm. right? It, like we were. So I I don't want to say we were the same way necessarily or whatever, um, but. But but, the, but there's something about it. I like going fast. Mm-hmm. I like and 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 the reason that I can't. Thank you. Um, the reason that I can't. Uh, I, 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 it wasn't. I'm sure that I could learn how to ride technical terrain on a mountain bike well, given if I applied myself. Mm. Um, but I just didn't want it enough. And what I realized. Um, one reason that I that I that I do do it, um, well, so, so it started out of necessity, but I continue to do it out of necessity almost, and because I love going and riding my mountain bike with Selena. Mm-hmm. Turns out, the terrain that she can ride and wants to ride is not super technical, and that's great. We can go and have a great time together, and that that sort of thing. But I'm. St- and, and, and you know, I have certainly enjoyed myself uh, sometimes on the mountain bike, but it was just it was never something that like had the fire that that road racing did or riding on the road bike. And I, that one ride in Moab made me realize like, oh, this is kind of cool. What kind of equipment? Do, OK, if this is inappropriate. If these guys are mocking me in the bike shop for <laughs> my decisions and I'm mocking myself. Um what is appropriate? So for the next two weeks, I just started like researching. Okay, there is this thing called gravel racing, and I know that I knew that already because Scott did it. Crusher know, and the Crusher, and, and the yeah. Crusher's right here. And then I'd read about Dirty Kanza and the Almanzo or something like that. One of the, one of the other ones, and and Scott um, Backey's climbing partner had done a couple of them, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I and, and I just like wrote it off as a fucking silly Midwest thing. I read a little bit the blog about the Trans-Iowa race, and I was like, ah, man, that's not really, for, you know, the mm. find your own way through the, like, de- and saw some pictures, and like, okay, that's not quite it. I just realized how much, okay, if I'm going to Moab every month, I don't like billy goading on a mountain bike because I don't like fucking crashing, and that's what will happen, but look at all of this terrain. I ride X amount of pavement. I get to this gravel road, takes me deep into the fucking desert. Somehow I find my way back. That spoke. And just to feel like on a mountain bike versus a road bike, it's just, it's different. Oh, it's so different. It's totally different. And 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 as soon as, if I'm riding single track on my gravel bike, drop bar, no suspension, bike, whatever, kind of pillowy tires so you get a little bit of shock absorption, but... I mean, there's a technological limitation there, but I feel so much comfortable in that position, in the drops going downhill than I ever did upright on a mountain bike with like handlebars, 750 fucking millimeters. Like just, yeah. I think they're like, and I have nothing against mountain biking other than it's easy to pick on. Um, well, we just don't, we just, well, no, it's, because it we is mock hard. Shit we like, don't like. I have done a, it, and I go yeah. Indo. I don't know how the skill is developed. I've never, you know, I don't know how to drive that thing. But there is something to the aggression. 
Uh, there's one near Gresh. Like, so for me, let me just cut yeah. one second. So what would happen in Israel when I was learning how to ride the mountain bike, I'd, I'd be look at one second. I'd be riding along the next second. I'd be looking at the sky, wondering what happened. Whenever I crashed on a road bike, I never questioned what happened. I knew exactly what I did wrong or what someone else did wrong. And like I th- like the mysteries of mountain biking, I never gave it enough attention because I didn't love it enough to learn why I was crashing. And if I couldn't learn why I was crashing, I couldn't fucking fix it. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, there is something to be said about the like roadie culture, like style that goes into it, I think is a real style. Like it's a well-established, if any, like gravel bike or not, I would pull that from road racing because there's something attractive to being meticulous about how you prepare for something. Like this is what my kit is. This is where I keep things. I keep exactly this many things. My helmet is like this. My glasses go over the helmet straps because I'm not a fucking idiot. But the the funny (laughs) thing about the, the, you know, like what I find with the, the, the gravel racing, um, because you know, I don't want to stop to eat and drink. Mm-hmm. You're going to fuel in a totally different way. Because on the road, you can take your hands off the bars and do whatever the fuck you want. Like dig into the bag that the dude mm-hmm. by the side of the road just handed you, and you get like you get the you know the do you want solid food? Do you want lick? You know, mm-hmm. do you want the gel? Do you want this, that, whatever? And you know, mountain bike racing. There's a reason that people use camelbacks because you can't always take your hands off the handlebars right and it's the same thing with the gravel racing like i had to do you know for that race a totally different sort of way of feeding than usual because because on the road you have opportunities and i would i would uh concur that that was a difficulty of it like i in in the climb i imagined like oh i'm gonna crest this i'm gonna reach back take off my jacket shed that pull out a cookie eat it on the downhill and quickly i was like i can't even fucking i can't do any of that it was just hold on for dear life and then if i hit a flat i could you know a flat area in a pace line i could kind of figure out how to do it but it was it it delayed all of my planned eating and drinking by at least an hour and a half (laughs) Yeah, so there's some interesting challenges with it, but it, but it, it. As soon as I realized what it was, and I was just like, "Fuck it!" It's just you know, I'll go get a, I'll go get the appropriate tool for the job, and I'll go to to explore the terrain that I want to explore, both internal and external. And and then I had that, and I started going a little bit, and then, uh, um, I had when training camp happened in June, I had just gotten the gravel bike, I think, but hadn't really ridden it yet. I had no idea what it was going to happen or do and rode, you know, we were, Joe was here with the road bike. So that's what we did. And, um, and I and, looked at, I looked at this new bike that you had. Yes. And you mocked me, I believe. I probably did. And then I took it and I was like, Hey, yeah, I just want to ro- like, I'm going to roll around on this a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe you suggested to do that. Yeah. And I, I, I need rolled, a co-conspirator. I, I rolled <laughs> around in the parking lot. I don't even think I got on under your street. Yeah. I rolled around a little bit. I looked at you and I said, oh, this could be fun. Mm. And then I started talking to you about buying a gravel bike. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he just throws them out there like it's a fishing mechanism. <laughs> To see what comes back because that was... Which one of my friends will be dumb? Yeah. <laughs> I, do oh, you know Michael's what? not stupid. I, he won't ever buy one on his own. I'll have to get one for him. <laughs> but I know that if I do, he's going to be in. So there... <laughs> that was... Yeah, that, that was both the most generous, caring, 
and also vindictive <laughs> and hurtful asshole gift I've ever fucking received in my life. Oh, <laughs> it you- is the gift that keeps on fucking. It's <laughs> like it's just like. <laughs> so, but but I will I will. Okay, folks, you heard it. Heard, heard. That's that may be on a T-shirt <laughs> at some point. I don't know how you're going to find it. We don't have any URLs to buy. I'm out of the, money for URLs. Here's what I wear, say about it. I bought a a, a road bike, um, well, a year and some odd to go to get back into it because there was something missing uh, from my own. Like the, it came to an end out of an accident. Ended my interest in road biking only because it deterred my ability by quite some margin by psychologically impairing my ability to deal with it. And so I got a road bike thinking, yeah, I'll come back to it. And my experience on the road has been fundamentally different. It has been like one of not just paranoia because I'm worried about getting hurt, but just there's a different interaction going on on the road with traffic. Like people are for sure not paying attention and they weren't paying attention before, but now they have a very specific tool that, I'll take one drunk driver. Yes. Over uh, virtually everyone staring at their phone yeah. is in terms of risk on the road. And I see it like you pull up like at a light on a bike and I'm just going by the and everybody every single person in a line of 10 cars sans one is suddenly checking their email or looking at Instagram and looking up looking down trying to, you know, not look like the asshole that gets caught on their phone. But also ha- being compelled to do this thing. Everyone knows it's wrong. Right. And they're still fucking doing it. And and so the, the gravel bike thing came up. I looked into it. I was like, oh, that's kind of wacky, kind of weird. And then I rode one. And I was like, oh, like I can get away. Like yeah. I can, I can. And that, that, that was also missing from the road. For some reason, when I was on the road before, I was able to get away from everything. And now it didn't felt like I ha- it doesn't feel like I have that same thing on the road. I'll still ro- ride a road bike because I do like them. You'll and they do are it fast. tomorrow, right? And, and and they are fast, and they are one. Well, you have the ability. There's the capability of going fast. I am not fast, but the the gravel bike raised an interesting question. I was like, okay, I can erase everything that I was attached to in my ability before. Therefore, this is not a negative experience. It gives me enough to learn about and be excited about. And different enough that it feels like this is a, it felt to me at least like, oh, this is something new and it could be interesting. And then he ruined it by making me sign up for them. <laughs> oh, I merely suggested it. You, yeah. uh, actually, you can blame that on Chris Warden. I believe yeah. it is Chris Warden's fault. But yeah. There's so I, many things we can blame on Chris Warden in the last like three weeks. Yes. Like how my calves feel right now. (laughs) Red Bull 400. (laughs) So I do want to get into the specifics. Uh, I think that dictates its own podcast, talking about Rebecca's private Idaho, Uh, because I think there's a lot of detail that needs to go into it. I mean, a little bit. um, uh, Anybody know what fucking time? I'm not watching. It's like 1130. Yeah, eleven fifteen. Anyway, so so we're, are we coming up on three hours? Yeah, then? is that? Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. So to to wrap it up in that sense, um, what happened with that race? I just after training camp in June, mm. and then I kept. Funnily enough, you know, once you get a little taste, you want more. Mm. And it wasn't. I mean, it was a the whatever those the number of days you know I realized that training camp was happening so I had my own training camp going into training camp um, and but came out the other side of it with a really good bump in fitness and once positive feedback happens I mean success always breeds ambition at least in me 
And so I started feeling like, wow, I, I feel okay on the bike again. And what am I going to do with that? And it wasn't, and, and there was no ego thing or anything. I just realized, okay, I need to keep working on this because I like what it's doing to my head. I need to set an objective to work for, but I also need to like close this whole fucking story with the hip. I need to do something that's hard enough that, and, and I'm going to, I'm, you know, confident that I'm going to get through whatever this, it's got to be this hard, but it has to be doable, but I need to do this thing, come out the other side and just close the whole chapter on the hip replacement and just go forward in life, like confident that my body's okay and I can still do shit. And a couple of years ago when, uh, and I don't, when I was still riding a lot, um, and you know, I know who Rebecca was. She knew who I was from climbing and that sort of thing. Um, and knew that I was riding a bike at that time. And so she invited me up for that race. I wasn't into it. And, um, so I, but I remembered that it existed at the critical moment when I was thinking about this. So I look it up and I realize, oh, it's not just a one day race anymore. Now she's doing a stage race. So I get the videos for the, t so 2017 was the year she test ran the stage race, invited, you know, some journalists and some other names and people, you know, to come try out this three day stage race. Uh, and so I watched some of those videos and I'm like, I think I can, uh, okay, I, I need that. I don't need a one day 95 mile race. Like I need a, 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 a trans, I am looking for a transformative experience to cut away um, some shit that I feel like is anchoring me. So I saw that, I explained it to Selena and she was like instantaneously, she's like, yes, you need to do that. What are the dates? Where is it? And I told her, and she's like on, immediately online looking at Airbnbs. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> what an enabler. <laughs> anyway, and she just said, I will take time off. I will come up. I will help you. You fucking need to do this. And mm -hmm. so I paid the fee, and we made the reservation there. We blocked out the time. And then I had this thing to work for, which had... Which is a nice looming shadow. <laughs> yeah, but it's something that nothing, like, mm. e even through the movie, you know, the, the, the period of time working the movie jobs, I mean, Michael, you maintained, like, your associate, like, there were competitions that you were working mm -hmm. towards that you were doing, and I, didn't, I did not do any of that. I'm not saying you were lucky because some of those were <clears throat> not really that pleasant. <laughs> But still, you, 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 you kept, uh, I'm going to borrow a phrase from Joe here, you, you stayed acquainted with the pain. Hmm. And I had lost my, um, I'd given up my relationship with it. Like I just, I didn't do things that hurt me anymore. I'd go out for a ride and I'd kind of like try hard or whatever, but it's not that fucking hard. It's only hard when someone is sticking the knife in you, you know, mm -hmm. however many miles deep in a race like that. Yeah, you, and, can, you can use whatever environment, whatever implement, and you can go just as hard as you think that you're capable, and it will never compare by just putting two other people in a situation or you'll a, go 10% harder, you'll a go 20% flag harder. at the end or yeah. whatever to make you realize just how fucking arrogant you were about what you thought hard was. Yeah. And, and, but, but deep down when you're doing shit like that, you mm -hmm. know that you're, you're essentially, yeah, I'm trying hard. You're fucking phoning it in. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you, okay. 
you are potentially going as hard as you possibly can on your own, which is 10% under how hard you will go when someone else is making you go that hard. <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> Lambert just pulled the whole fucking thing down. <laughs> um, when, you know, you assign enough importance to the thing and then you have some enablers, facilitators, whatever, um, to, to, to get you there. So I set up the object, you know, it was just like the go past the point of no return thing. So like, okay, I signed up for it. I paid the fee. I've, you know, uh, enlisted some accountants, let's say <laughs> who auditors, auditors, <laughs> auditors, um, who are, who are going to hold me accountable, but by, t by having told them that this thing, this, this thing. And now and I better get ready for it. Now I got to get ready for it because I'm certainly don't want to, I can't DNF. I certainly don't want to, you know, uh, settle for less, and and then it happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. And then, well, to, and then the circumstances do to a person what the circumstances are supposed to do. They fish out people who are capable, and then people who said they wanted to be capable. And there's a tiny difference there. Hmm. I mean, you're splitting hairs. I'm joking. I was like, <laughs> I was like Wait, it seems like of, a fantastic. You actually look very goal. perplexed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? I just separated the society into 50-50 groups. <laughs> I, just, I <laughs> thought I made a pretty goddamn good distinction. Yeah, it was a thick hair. <laughs> right. So is this going to be a yearly bike race you go to? Potentially? I didn't know if Team Bars was sitting in the room and we were all going to head up next year. Something tells me it's a bike race that at least one other person in this room will experience yeah so like, now um so joe rode that bike around took the bait started looking around he's <laughs> down here this time with only one bike which happens to be a gravel bike and um so uh yesterday i took him on a little piece little seven mile piece give me a taste gave yeah. you taste like good taste first one's kind of free and it's going to be a good one and then today yeah, I just, he actually called me something oh yeah i said at the end of it like we got off onto the pavement and he was just fucking rolling the big ring and charging and I was trying to stay on I wasn't for a while or I was not on for a while and then he stopped so I could catch up and then I stayed on and after we got off on the pavement and and uh I just said hey Tom Bonin just just back off a little bit now because I, I I wanted to have my heart like back down in where it's supposed to be instead of in my mouth by the time we got to the <laughs> convenience store so I could get a candy bar yeah. Get so me this, back down to zone five, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was loving every bit of that seven mile stretch. Mm -hmm. And then, so and good. then fast forward to today. And then, <laughs> and then, so, so I bookended his experience, his gravel, his, you know, his, uh, cherry popping gravel experience. And it was good uh, too. Cause we had to get to the seven mile. Please tell gravel me gravel section by going Bountiful? up the Canyon. Pardon? Bountiful. 
Yeah. So you're number one, Joe. His his middle finger was particularly expressive today. Because um, the vibrations on the washboard. No, no. I, I was telling him how number one he was. Yeah. Oh, nice. All day yesterday, he, Joe was number one today. I was number one because it starts. It's like you climb in, in like one point two miles from the parking lot. There is there's like a. Mm. Um, there was uh, a millimeter, I think, of flat. Yeah, there's like a millimeter of flat to warm up on, and you start going uphill, and it's pretty fucking steep because the initial thing is so it's like 1.2 miles of paved road where you gain 700 feet of elevation. Oh, and then you hit the dirt, and then it backs off because it can't be that steep because then people couldn't get up it. Right, but then you're you're well, you're pretty warmed up by then. <laughs> uh, the warm up protocol was was just about right. Right, nasal breathing. <laughs> yeah, only. Only oh, totally like spinning a high cadence. I was just laughing because Joe was on the small ring, big cog for most of the day today. Looks so good. Uh, <clears throat> there was a there. There've been a couple of um, gear ratio discussions, two, two by one by discussions that have gone on, and I think uh, yeah, I saw you, you know, showed up with your pretentious electric shifting. <laughs> <laughs> it's which I'm jealous of. <laughs> it's it's remarkably efficient. I just don't like uh, like I'm shifting and it's like clunk, and then I hear this <laughs> and no noise as the chain moves. I'm just like, God damn! Yeah. I am fucking jealous clip that. that fucking wire. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> well, anyway, but so so today, yeah, we did. Um, actually, we didn't even go to the top, but uh, yeah, so we rode 10 miles and like 3,500 feet of climbing or 3,400 feet of climbing, and then you just have to come down. Well, you heard that it here with me, Keegan. They both DNF'd. They didn't make it to the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, honestly, when I was going 4.9 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, you mean my race pace for Rebecca's Private Idaho? <laughs> when I was going 4.9 miles an hour doing SFR... Yeah, on my yeah. thirty four twenty eight. Like, <laughs> so th this is where it gets fun because this is so. A lot of people will probably turn this off in the first. I don't know. We rambled for about ninety minutes, so that's not fair. But a lot of people will think like, "Oh, it's bike stuff. It's this. This is the sub. The subject is not. Although I will probably title this bike path. Like, I, I fucking lift weights, man. Right. Well, yeah. Losers. <laughs> Sorry, but, but on the <laughs> dude, it's a fitness podcast. You can't say shit, shit. like that. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. Dude, you're like you're like the fitness guy in the room for fuck's sake. <laughs> How, I was well, trying to sorry, feel like a cyclist. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> however, however detailed this is on the actual tool that gets used to do the job, I think what was really interesting is I think um, watching this from the outside, and when Joe was like, "Oh, we need to capture this," and he sent me a bunch of ideas. That's when I identified the. Oh, this kind of started with because you mentioned it not only a couple of weeks ago. It's like yeah. this started with something that traumatically took you away some of something that you identified with, and I saw the hip thing as also taking you away from something that you then identified with. It's so shockingly bookended, <laughs> which I didn't notice until actually tonight. <laughs> um, that uh, yeah, apparently. Old dudes find the bike after they get hurt. <laughs> or, 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 I mean, or, 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 or I mean, I'm, the, the universality the of just, needing to find something once or, your identity is in question because of things that are outside of your control shows you that there is actually this thing, and it's not just a bike. There's a vehicle available to you that you don't use or not yet don't know, whatever that ends up being. 
It could be running. It could be whatever the means are. There's some physical thing that's a practice that will can be embedded in your life and it can change your relationships and the people that you meet. It can open up roads that you've never been on in countries that you've never visited. And you won't notice how important that is until you accidentally find it and then it is accidentally taken away from you. I I, I feel like there if there if there's some physical thing with which you identify that which which define which you use to define yourself or which that that you use to take you to different places um be be that in the world you know around your city whatever it is um you know actual you know external or internal places it when that gets taken away from you there is always something similar either either like in joe's case you can fucking work your way back to it mm-hmm. because you know a broken pelvis broken femur among other things is is not a showstopper if you are ultimately committed to to that mm. to that thing so when we're sitting here you know we've always talked about sort of working around injury in the gym and that kind of thing and to to hear Israel, for example, mm-hmm. speak about like, yeah, I used to do this and this and this, and then I got hurt, and then I got da da. Like, yeah, a low back thing is one of the hardest things to work around, but you can, mm-hmm. and we've done it, and we've seen people do it, and we've guided people through that process. So, Israel, you got no excuse. Um, <laughs> and, but if if the if there is a catastrophic kind of thing that prevents you from doing something which had built and then reinforced your identity. Yeah. You've got to have some mental flexibility to find another thing, but that other thing is there and it is available. And, um, and there was, I've had a couple of, of, you know, sort of epiphanies in the last, I'll say four years because first one is 2014. And then again, this year of like, of real of of thinking and then having it proven that what i thought was over is not over like thought i was done thought like okay fuck it i'm just going to be like that dude who writes stuff and it's got a big mouth and takes pictures <laughs> occasionally rides his bike and Wait. blah 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 that you're not that guy. <laughs> I'm not. I, well, I can be that guy, and I can still and ride, you can a bike, still but ride a bike. But what I can't be is that 300 guy. So fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you, Joe, for enticing the subject and provoking. Some I'm just ideas super and, psyched that he's riding a bike again, and we can uh, come down for training camp. Nice. <laughs> you just like my couch. Just wait till you're sleeping in the fucking van in my parking lot. <laughs> Only if it's six inches wider. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Guys, thanks for um, putting me on the spot. Of course. <laughs>